Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, September 19th. 2021 coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Islanders alum Dave Scatcherd and author of The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell will be joining us. Can't wait to talk to him. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? Oh, hello there, Sean. I'm doing quite well. How are you, my friend? I'm also doing well. Very <laughs> excited for tonight. Very excited to talk to Dave Scatcherd. Big stuff coming up. Great to be here. Let's get into it, buddy. Yes, there's a lot to talk about this week. Yes. The training camp finally here. Islander signings abound. Abound. Uh, abound. Yes, a plenty. Official. <laughs> official. Some of them less yes. official. Yes, there was a little bit of news this week. Some bigger than others. Yes. So no pun intended. <laughs> anyway, folks, Very want to true. thank you for joining us and tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night. And why want to remind you all that we are happy to be presented and sponsored by RJ Daniels, American bar and grill located at 279 a sunrise highway in Rockville center. It's the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HD TVs and in-game sound. The place to be to watch. The Isles also proud to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. An official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli out there. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. And of course, we are happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And a little shout out for UBS Arena. They got some job fairs coming up. They're looking for new team members with part-time roles in event services, guest experience, operations and security you can head over there tomorrow from noon to six or wednesday the 22nd from two to seven just go to the belmont racetrack grandstand at 2150 hempstead turnpike in elmont check it out maybe get yourself a job at the brand spanking new ubs arena where the new york islanders will be playing so christian like we just alluded to another week has gone by we're this much closer to Islander Hockey. We are a, a week now from the first preseason game. Madison Square Garden, Islanders-Rangers. That's weekend. right. Very exciting. Very exciting. So this week, training camp is coming up on the 23rd. And I don't know if you guys heard out there, but Big Z is a Dan O'Char is once again a New York Islander bringing his career full circle. What do you say? CA. Yeah, I mean, it was something we talked about last week on the show. It was something that's been on people's minds as his offseason and the rest of the offseason have dragged on. And yeah. the Islanders' options for defensemen have become slimmer and slimmer. And Zidane Chara, you know, fits a role for the Islanders. Um, you know, he, he obviously 
played a significant amount of time for the Washington Capitals last season when it came to ice time. Maybe it was his career low since I think his rookie season with the Islanders actually yes. playing about 18, 27 or which something like that. Which is still a decent amount Which is still a lot of time yeah. for yeah. a player of his age. Yeah. Um, you know, he's 44 years old. He's going to be 45 by the time his contract ends next season with the Islanders. So, yeah. um, you know, he's a guy who's been around the block to say the least. You know, he's a Stanley Cup winner. Um, he's a ca- he was a captain with the Boston Bruins for all 14 of his seasons there in, um, in, in Boston. You know, he played with Ottawa and obviously got to start with the New York Islanders. It's a great story. Um, you yeah. Know, everyone kind of jokes about Lou Lamorello being the godfather and settling all family business. Well, it certainly <laughs> had that godfather-esque moment a little bit with Zach Parisi and Zidane Ochara now back in the fold, kind of correcting two mistakes that Islander fans have yeah. for a long, a long time have have really taken to heart considering the players that Zach Parisi became after being drafted by the New Jersey Devils and the way things have gone for Zidane Chara, who is a future Hall of Famer and went on to have a great career in Ottawa and then an even greater career with the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I'm not so sure that was the motivation behind Lamarillo bringing these guys. No, 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 I know, but it certainly has <laughs> but that, it is funny. that Godfather-esque quality yes, to it. absolutely. No, I think it's great. I mean, like you said, it's a great story. I mean, it's certainly something easy to write about, something easy to talk about, and we're obviously going to dive more into that. I think there's, there's still some questions to discuss, maybe even some concerns as far as the Islander roster goes, even with adding Zidane Chara to the fold, but uh, it is exciting. We did allude to it a little bit last week. We talked about that possibility, and I just... I feel like the more time went on and the less options that were out there and the the quiet surroundings of Dano Chara, <laughs> yeah. it just seemed to like appear a little more inevitable that it just might happen. And and sure enough, we're we're surprised yesterday, and there he is. It's it's officially announced. And not only that, he he didn't waste much time putting on the uh, blue and orange. Put a little face. Uh, what was it? Facebook or social media? It was post. Social media, Instagram, his Facebook page. I mean, it, it's cool that he kept that, and I'm sure he has he's had a lot of great memories when he was with the Islanders for the couple of years that he was there before he was traded for Alexi Yashin there in 2000. So certainly, or 2001, 2000. It was 2001. the summer of 2001, heading yeah, into the 0102 season. Yeah. Um, so certainly, you know, a place that I think he, he held some fondness to for himself and his in his heart, having started with the Islanders and now kind of coming back around where the organization is in a much different position than when it was when he was an Islander and when he was when he was shipped off to uh, Ottawa in that trade. It's certainly a much different place, a much different feel around the organization. And it, it, it goes from a team when he was here back in the late 90s, early 2000s to one that was maybe starting to turn things around at that point. No one really saw, you know, no one knew what was going to happen over those next couple months with so many different additions to the, that oh one Oh two roster with, with Mike Pekka coming into the fold, Chris Osgood coming in, agent O'Coin, um, right. P, uh, Peter Laviolette taking yeah. over behind the bench and becoming, yeah. you know, a, an incredible coach and having would go on to be a really great career for the rest of his coaching career as well. Yeah. Uh, outside of just with the New York Islanders and, sure. and what he was able to do there. So, it, you know, it, it's a it's a franchise he's coming back to that is a, a Stanley Cup contender. It's it's hard to it's hard to take different that away than from when he left. Yeah. Um, you know, there, it's a much more ownership wise, it's a much more stable situation. Um, Location wise, it's a much more stable situation now with UBS Arena opening next uh, in in Mar- um, November, I should say, <laughs> not March, no <laughs> November, yeah, opening up in November. So it's right. certainly it's certainly a different organization and one that I think in part means he feels that they can win a Stanley Cup. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with with the Zach Parisi situation and other guys who've come here. This is a team that they think, you know, this is their last chance to win a cup and they they think the Islanders are their best shot at it. Yeah, who knew, right? Imagine that. The New York Islanders being a destination for 
for for veterans that 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 want another chance at a cup, and, and here we are, Parise and and Shara, and I guess the the biggest question right now that the the main one that was answered was okay, who's going to be that left defenseman that comes in to fill that spot, and and it looks like it's going to be Chara, but the, I think the next best question now is is that enough? Is he going to be enough to fill that void left by Letty? You look at Chara's age, you look at. You know, the fact that he's not the same player that he was in his prime, you know, when he was captaining the Boston Bruins and, you know, when they won the Cup 10 years ago and all that. I mean, is this is this going to be enough for an 82-game season here to have him there with his age, or are they, are they still going to be looking for something more? I mean, I think this is it. I think the team that you're getting now is the team you're going to get for uh, most of the season up until the deadline unless they feel something a, a trade needs to be made at that point. But I think the roster now that you have is the one you're going to get once you come around to the start of training camp and the start of the season. I mean, I don't think at this point you're going out and you're, you're not bringing Zidane Chara in at this point to be a spare defenseman. He's going to play regular minutes. Yeah, you, I'm sure that's a conversation he had with Lou you have before a, he put his pen to paper. Yeah. You have a much more, a little, a little bit more depth now, I should say, with, with Ajo and some of the other guys that mm-hmm. will be there. Hickey, you know, showing that he can still play. Those are not guys that we're going to play here regularly. I think that's, I think that, People keep asking about it, and I think at this point, the the history and the, and the sample size, we've seen these guys have gotten into NHL games. They just haven't stuck, and I think that says a lot about what the Islanders organization, I think, at this point thinks of their their mm-hmm. contributions to the team. It's not to say that they're not good players. They're, they can't contribute, but I don't think there is a space right now, or maybe for, for, for a long time to come, for Sebastian Ajo or for Thomas Hickey to get in and be regulars in the lineup. I, I also don't see them going out and making another move to bring in a defenseman at this point. Why Why go out and sign Zidane Char? You're having Eric Gustafson uh, come in now as a, as a PTO, and that could end up being a, a cheap signing with more depth for the uh, Islanders' blue line. So why why go out now and bring someone else in when you kind of have these two players that can and can kind of play that, to, uh, that, that Nick Letty role a little bit? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go out and spend an arm and a leg to get him, or you don't have to lose another player to go out and get him. Yeah, well, I, I agree that that's it for now. I agree that I don't think they're bringing anybody else in yeah. in the immediate. I think they're going to go to camp with these guys. They're going to see what they got, assess pairings and stuff. I want to talk about that too. But maybe down the line, maybe as they get closer to the deadline, if a, if a defenseman who kind of maybe fills that role a little bit better is available. Maybe they'll do something then. Obviously, we have a lot of time between now and and March or February, whenever that uh, trade deadline comes up. But uh, to answer my own question, I (laughs) I don't think it's enough. I I actually like the pickup. I like Jara coming to the Islanders. I think he brings a lot to the table. He still has a little gas left in the tank despite his advanced age. And I think, you know, some, some people roll their eyes when you hear locker room, locker room, but I think he's another great, great, voice and you know just well-respected player to have in that locker room again with the championship pedigree that's only going to help that tight-knit group you know hopefully get further uh this year when they when they get into the playoffs so i'm for it i'm certainly not against the signing but i i still don't think that it fills letty's role enough it fills that top four left d spot enough uh, for this for this team, especially when you get to playoff time. Now, I'm happy to have them prove me wrong. If anybody can do it, it's it's a Barry Trotz led Islander team, mm. and you know that's their that's their thing, right? They win by committee, and you know maybe you have Chara not play 82 games. Maybe Gustafson shows enough in camp where he becomes that seventh defenseman, and he's a guy you plug in every now and then when you're looking for maybe a little more foot speed or a potential you know points on the board, whatever the case may be. So maybe. They do a little bit of a rotation with these guys, and they just give it a shot, 
and see if it's going to work for a full season, and then Lou reassesses, and then maybe he makes another move before the deadline. But I, I, I don't think this was Plan A. I don't. I think this was. I don't. It definitely wasn't. Yeah, plan a. this was when like Plan C, probably. When you look at, at everything at, at that's best. transpired, yeah. But yeah. I, but I don't think that. Uh, again, kind of to echo what Arthur said last week when we had him on about mm-hmm. about everything about the trade for Nick Letty. You're right. It definitely, this wasn't plan A. Right. Um, but they had several plans in place, I would imagine, and this was this was one of them. This was one of the outcomes they knew could happen mm-hmm. considering the offseason and how things were shaking out because you don't trade a guy like Nick Letty and clear the cap space if you don't think you can get someone else back to fill that role in a way that will make your team better going forward or, or keep your team at the level right. it was already. And even though I am sp- expressing some concern here, it, I still think they could have done worse. I don't think it's a, a necessarily a bad move. I'm not so much giving the Islander the Islanders, you know, hell for for not making a better move. I think they could have. It would have been nice if they did, but I but still at this think, point, what move was being made? Well, that's we we don't know. We don't know who Lou was talking to. We don't know who he was who he was trying to acquire. We can only assume that there was a plan A or B before this, right. at least, right? So maybe he gets to circle back later on and do something. And I still think this team, as constructed can and will be successful, but maybe you just would rather have somebody else there. And again, maybe that happens later or maybe they pleasantly surprise us. I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think there's, unless some sort of crazy deal comes out of left field, I don't think there's anything changing too much after this point up until the deadline or or, nothing immediate down. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I know. This is what they're going to go to battle with. We'll see how well they do. And I guess that's going to be a big topic of discussion you know, for the fan base and for this team going forward because this is probably what we're looking at. There's really not going to be too many surprises in training camp. No. There's really no. not. We kind of know who's going to be there. There's no real battle for any big spots. Maybe maybe there will be a surprise, but I don't think so. Certainly, well, Zidane Char coming in certainly was a surprise, but coming up after the break, we'll get a chance to speak with one of the last players to play yes. on a roster with Zidane Char when he wore a New York Islanders jersey. Dave Scatcher joins us next here on Hockey Night in New York. He's the author of the, his new book, The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell. And we are excited to talk to one of uh, a fan favorite when he was here with the Islanders. And I yes, know, indeed. Uh, I know, Sean, he's one of, one of your favorites back in the day. Yeah, I always loved his work ethic, so I'm excited to talk to him. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Dave Scatcherd, everybody. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. R.J. Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey.
Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. Or visit them on the web at ThaiTechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, Technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. I'm Christian Arnold. With me, as always, is Sean Cuthbert. And it's that time of the show that everyone loves. It's on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And on the line with us is one of the greats from those early 2000s New York Islanders club. He spent five years with the New York Islanders. Now the author of a tremendous new book that Sean and I both got a chance to read. It's called The Comeback, My Life Through Heaven and Hell. And my journey through heaven and hell, I should say. That's Dave Scatcherd, Islanders alumni. Dave, how are you? And thank you so much for joining us this evening. I feel like I miss my old Islander stomping grounds and uh, <laughs> all the Islander fans, and it's fun for me to get to connect this way. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. We could not be happier to have yes. you back on, and, and I know we've gotten so much so much um, feedback from just the announcement of you coming on this, this week because you played on an Islanders team that I think has such an affinity, especially now for the younger generation of Islander fans <laughs> who grew up watching you and Kenny Johnson and, and – um, Brad Isbister, those guys who were on some rough teams and gave it their all every night. Um, and, and obviously you touch on that in the book. You touch on so much in the book. But I, I want to start with, A, congratulating on being an Amazon number one bestseller right now. Uh, and, and ask you, what after all this time, what made you kind of put your story uh, to pen and paper and put it out there? Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, first, uh, I've been wanting to write this story for a decade and then about five years ago i started to try to really write it uh and man i just would start and stop and i'd chicken out and then i'd try again <laughs> and then i'd get confused on the order and the sequencing on how to fit everything together and and finally i just uh made a commitment i said i'm gonna get this thing done and um you know it's i'm really proud of it and um you know, I've, I've lived a pretty crazy life and gone through a lot of wild experiences. And I didn't really think that it was just meant for me. And um, now I run a life and business coach, uh, life and business coaching business. And, um, you know, uh, I'm constantly using these experiences that I had or I went through to help my um, clients. So, I thought, well, if it's helping all of them, um, why don't I just write a book about it and then help as many people as possible? So 
Yeah, man, I'm just grateful uh, for everyone buying it. It's it became an Amazon bestseller uh, day one, and then it, it's been there for a week. And I see somebody else is cruising up the ranks, so I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta promote it a little bit more, and uh, you know, get get back, uh, you know, all the top spots. I, I think I had like the Kindle and the softcover version, uh, number one and two. So that was really exciting, and. Uh, now I'm getting some competition, so I gotta like put the hammer down and make sure it st- <laughs> make sure it stays there. I I love the competitive edge, Dave and Sean here. A <laughs> uh, big part of your story was obviously your concussion history, and you, you had a lot of struggles there. And obviously, with the the fifth one being the worst, and I guess maybe just for the audience, just describe to us what it's like being a professional athlete and and having those sorts of setbacks, especially when you talk about something that's still kind of unknown in the sports world as far as concussion goes, right? They're still trying to figure that whole thing out and, and, and its long-term effects on players and everything like that. Maybe you can just talk about, you know, your your issues and your struggles with the concussions, how you were able to bounce back and, and turn that into a positive experience for yourself. Yeah, it's really wild. And, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really necessarily consider myself a concussion expert, but the fact that I spent so many um, days, especially after my fifth concussion, I was at the Mayo Clinic three days a week for three years. So I really got to kind of learn on things about the brain and how the brain works. And, you know, there's this really weird theory that they, they kind of uh, have proven is that if you've had one concussion, you're twice as likely to get two. And if you've had two, you're four times as likely to get three. And if you've had three, you're 16 times as likely to get four. And then if you've had four, it's like 164 times. Wow. So whatever, like, however it compounds like that, it, it, after five, it just doesn't seem, uh, smart to go (laughs) and play. And, and the fact that like somehow my I was literally on Alzheimer's medicine. I was slurring my speech. I, I couldn't even run or exercise. I was dragging my leg when I walked. I was like really, really, really messed up. And um, this didn't go away. And the doctors at the Mayo Clinic had told me, he said, sorry, Dave, but you know, you're going to have permanent disabilities with the rest of your life. And you know, I could have accepted that diagnosis and gone home and felt sorry for myself. And I remember just like sitting in my car and I was crying outside. I wrote a little bit about this in the book and I'm crying in my car and I'm just like, man, like I'm a young guy. I got three babies at home. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to live another 60 years in this condition? And it got really scary and really dark for me. I got, I was embarrassed about what happened to me. I kind of went into hiding for a couple of years. Nobody really knew what happened to me. Like some of my best friends didn't know how scary it was getting for me and the crazy thoughts that were going through my head. And and that just came from the never ending headaches that were just pounding my temples, never ending all day. And then not having a memory. Like it was like I was had dementia or something. And wow. um, for a young guy, uh, when I couldn't work and I couldn't exercise and I couldn't take care of my kids and I, I was just getting fat and like just miserable with the pain that my head was in, I couldn't concentrate. I could, I could barely read. And it was weird. I, I had a photographic memory when I was a child, I skipped a couple of grades, like school is easy for me. Wow. I, I, I went from that to like not being able to process like anything. And it was devastating and scary. Plus there's a whole thing about losing my identity now. So like now I'm not a hockey player. Like, who am I? And then what am I, why am I back here? Like I chose to come back from in heaven and that's a little 
twist in the book that people may, they know now uh spoiler alert but, <laughs> but but i'm like i came back i came i chose to come back here to this world and i left like this per- perfection and um and then i was just like stuck and i was broken and i'm like did i just make the biggest mistake of my life like what did i i screwed up i messed up and i'd like blame myself and it was so weird it was like a vicious cycle but I ultimately ended up understanding through my process and, and this message came to me was that God had put me in that dark hole and that pit for so long for three years so that I would understand that intimately and deeply and, and, and have these other new um, understandings of compassion and of fear and anxiety and depression and all these crazy things that I never had before. I never had any of those ever in my career. I was very lucky. I was super positive and mostly healthy. And like, so then for me to go into this dark hole, uh, it was kind of explained to me that that needed to happen for the people that I was about to help with in, in life. And that was kind of the day that I knew I was going to start to life coach and help people and, started chasing Tony Robbins around the world for a couple of years. And Tony's Tony just said, I have no choice. I have to do this. And, uh, it's not about me anymore. So for the last, uh, gosh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I've been, I've been helping a lot of people. And then last year we started doing a couple of free online challenges during the year. And we, we helped over 17,000 people in those challenges. So that was uh, really fun to be able to, to give back and give people some, coaching that I pulled from all different parts of the world and the globe and the teachers like Tony and all these insanely brilliant people that they didn't think that I was broken or that I was permanently disabled. They just thought that I needed to get into a different state to be able to heal. And ultimately I discovered I just, I was covered up in masks and armor and I just really had to like, remove all of that stuff to really get to the grace and the healing that was trying to get to me and get to all of us. So yeah, it's a really crazy story. Uh, I was really scared to write it. I'm like, what are people going to say? Right. But it's what I teach. Like it doesn't, if I can't authentically be me, then what am I going to do? Walk around the rest of my life pretending and not telling the truth. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not who I am. And, and, my strength comes from my honesty and my vulnerability and my authenticity. So I'm like, I don't care. Like, let's just get this thing out. Cause it's going to help somebody. I have an affinity for, for obviously athletes and, you know, uh, for service res- responders and nine 11. And it just reminded me of all the firemen, all the policemen and stuff. I've, I've helped a lot of those guys and vets, army vets and military. And like, when you got to go and do, really really scary things and cover yourself up because you're so sensitive to it like i was a really sensitive kid um eventually you just start to live that like as your normal and that's when you kind of lose touch of like you know the alignment and the purity of the way that we were originally created as these sensitive little creatures at least in my case (laughs) talking with dave scatcher here islanders alumni and author of the new book the comeback my journey through heaven and hell. And, and Dave, one of the, the great stories in the book, I mean, you kind of hit it right off the bat, um, and you kind of alluded to, alluded there about your the, the concussion where you kind of had that sort of epiphany where you, where you, were, in this, you were in this place 
where you were making the decision to kind of stay there or come back and, and go back to your family and um, this really kind of spiritual moment. And, and you kind of hit everyone with that story right in the beginning of the book, which which was really fascinating. And I'm curious, what was that moment like for you? And uh, I, I know at one point you talk about how you wondered if you made the right decision by coming back, which I thought was also a very powerful point early on. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with religion or church. Like I was, I was curious and I always like spoke to God and things like that as a little boy. And then it kind of went away um, just cause it wasn't really practiced, mm -hmm. you know, in my family. And it wasn't like my parents were against it or anything like that. It just wasn't part of our routine. And like, I, like I have zero, one of the greatest blessings that I have now in my life is that I don't, I have zero judgment for anybody because I've done so much work with so many people from around the world. There's almost nothing that I haven't heard and we're all, we all have our stuff and it's okay. We don't have to judge it. We don't have to beat it up. So like having that grace and that non-judgmental place where it's safe, like I have this group of 6,000 people online in, in this Facebook group from, from my challenges. I've got another group of like 200 that are like all clients and stuff. And like these people have shared stuff with me and in front of that group that their only family members don't know, like serious stuff. And our group is so full of love and so full of light. And I'm really, really proud of it. And these are things like I would have never created if I was just a hockey player. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, God, let me be a hockey player. And that was an amazing journey. I'll, I'm so grateful for it. And it taught me so much. And like, you know, a lot of what I like, I build out of my coaching is from my hockey background. But then there's this whole other side that's like would have never been developed if I wouldn't have got the concussion. Like the concussion was the greatest gift. It ended my career. I could stay home and say, well, you know, I'm so unlucky. I could have accepted that diagnosis from the best doctors in the world saying, you know what, you're just disabled. And I would have been like, well, I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like, you know, I'm so unlucky. I could have went and made millions of dollars more and I could have done this. And I could have done that and like felt sorry for myself. And like lots of guys do it and lots of people do it. They accept their diagnosis and I just would not accept that. I said, there's got to be a way, man. I don't care if I got to go train with monks in India. I don't <laughs> care if I got to go do ayahuasca in the Amazon jungle. I don't care what I got to do. And like, you know, my experience with ayahuasca wasn't great. Um, I was already kind of on my way out, you know, and, and I felt it wasn't, it wasn't super cool for me, but I do know that, you know, some athletes that it has helped. Um, but yeah, like I don't even talk about that stuff because, all of the healing was really began when I was able to like authentically move into the purest version of myself. And that just came from removing all the armor that I'd stacked on over the years doing not just this job, but like covering up the little, the little sensitive David, I guess. Uh, and, uh, I was just doing that to protect him, you know? And, uh, I did some pretty, incredible things with my life and fighting people and playing physical and doing all that stuff. Like it was almost like somebody else <laughs> did all that stuff. Cause it's like, not my nature. It's not in my nature at all. And, uh, it sounds funny for me to talk about now, but like, yeah, I don't even, yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, um, especially like Tony told me, he said, Dave, uh, 
a wizard can do more in his pinky than a gladiator can do in his lifetime. And it really got me thinking like, well, why don't I just become a wizard? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like what? Right. And, 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 you know, we have this beautiful platform called the internet where you can almost learn anything you want for free on YouTube. You can train with people. There's free challenges all over the world. Like there's a chance if somebody wants to shift something, they can go and do it. So there's no real excuses, I, I believe, for people to just get stuck and, and feel sorry for themselves. It, it's really a matter of just stepping out and like going for it and not worrying about what people think of you or having fear of failure or, or judgment. You just got to like rock it. And uh, that's kind of what I did with the book. So, yeah. Dave, you, you, you mentioned a lot of good stuff in there. I wanted to go back. You mentioned about not accepting the diagnosis, and, and it seems like that's kind of a common theme in your, in your life, not accepting sort of someone saying no or not accepting uh, a criticism and taking it and using that as motivation. You talk about it um, from when you were a kid playing, when you were 12 playing with, you know, 15 and 16-year-olds. You talk about it in, you know, climbing through the, the junior hockey ranks, playing, you know, getting your way to Portland um, and, and dealing with tough coaches there that sort of stemmed at least from, from my understanding from reading the book really from the way your your father and your mom helped raise you especially early on and, and the way they encouraged you it, it seemed like they played such a big role and I really admired the way that and you talk a lot about in the book about it your dad kind of saying we're here we're supporting you and giving you that option to to make your own decision but always putting the the for lack of a better word, the consequences out there of whatever that decision is going to be. So you know what decision you're making and what's going to happen when you make it. What was that like growing up with that kind of um, support and, and kind of how did that mold you into the person and, and the hockey player that you became? Yeah. And, and thank you for repeating that because like, I know you read the book. <laughs> like if you're talking <laughs> like that, like, you're not just another podcaster that, that that's pretended to read the book and just <laughs> wanted, wanted some ra ratings, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, what's really crazy, and I can't remember if I put this in the book or not, but like my dad was a farmer from Alberta, okay? And then he worked in the coal mines. Right. Like he, he didn't read a lot. He didn't have some great knowledge, like teacher, mentor, like none of it, right? But my entire life, the baseline, like my dad was like a life coach before there was life coaches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and he was like my Tony Rock. My dad was my hero. And uh, God rest his soul, he passed a couple years ago and I lost like my best friend. But, um, you know, I would be in India and a monk would be talking to me and he would say like an exact line that like my father taught me growing up. And I'm like, where have I heard this before? I'm like, who? I'm like, dad? How does dad know the same thing as, you know, Sri Bhagavad, the, the deity of oneness, you know? And then I'm like, uh, I'd be, Tony would be talking and, and I'm like, where have I heard that before? And, and it's like my freaking dad. And then like no, all over the world, shaman and all these like interesting teachers and energy healers and all these people. And it'd be things that my dad had said. And I truly believe that my dad was being given those words because this is this has all been designed perfectly. And those words I needed to hear as a young boy because they were things that kept me going. And the number one thing that my dad did was like belief. Like he believed more in me. And during his funeral, I had a bunch of my teammates and my dad coached growing up. And they all came to me like crying. And they're like, your dad was like 
more, more like a dad to me than my own dad was. And he believed in me more than I ever could believe in myself. And, um, I don't think that I, I shared this story in the book. I, 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 I'm not sure, but I think it's a really good story. So I don't know how we're doing on time, but I'll, <laughs> we have I'll, all the time in the world. Sure. So yeah. Share away. No, th- this is a cool story. So I'm at the funeral and I have to give the eulogy and I'm just destroyed, man. My best buddy's dead. And I'm like, how my, how would my dad want this? And my, and my dad would want it where people were inspired to live a bigger life. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get emotional, but, it's all right. um, all good. I, I'm the first one to speak and, and I don't know if you can like crush a speech at a funeral, but like, <laughs> I almost got, a, it was like people started standing up like a standing ovation <laughs> at a funeral and people are telling my mom, they're like, that funeral was amazing. And my mom's like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> they're walking around town, like talking about the, the speech at the funeral, but I can joke around about it now. And my dad would want me to joke around about it, but. Um, I was just trying to explain if people didn't know that side of my dad, I was trying to share things. And then like out of thin air, out of like a movie, this guy's sitting like in the second row behind the family and none of us know who he is. And we're looking at each other like, who's this guy? And um, at the end we say, would anybody like to say any words about Kim Scatchard and like he jumps up like almost before my sister and my brother, like, (laughs) This guy wanted to talk. So uh, he was like the second or third person to speak. And none of us know who this guy is. And he goes, many of you probably don't know who I am. But um, man, I forget. Isn't it Steve maybe? Uh, And he goes, I drove through the night when I heard what happened to Kim. And I don't even know how I heard because we kept it really low key. We didn't want a big deal. So there's only like maybe 100 people there. And he heard about it and he drove from this other town like eight or nine hours away and he drove through the night. He worked the night shift and drove through the night to get to the funeral with his dog in his van. Wow. Okay. So he shows up and he goes, I just had to share how much this man meant to me. And like, still none of us know who he is. And he looks at my mom and he's like, Jan, you probably don't remember me, but I was like a 15 year old boy and I didn't really have a dad. And, um, when you, when Cam started hang gliding, my dad was one of the first hang gliders in North America. So wow, when those, when those crazy. kites, when those kites would jump off those mountains, like back in the day, they were not safe, like at all. <laughs> and they were like death traps. And my dad had like the second or third license, I think in all of Canada wow. to be able to do this. So what they do is they jump off the, I think it was called at the basket tower. They jump off this tower at the top of a mountain and wherever the wind takes them, it takes them. So there'd have to be somebody to drive a van to go scoop these guys up. Most of the time they were in the trees. Like my dad was a terrible pilot, <laughs> but, but he, he's a, he's adrenaline junkie, adrenaline junkie. So anyways, long story short, they needed this kid to drive in Alberta. You get your learner's license at 14. So my dad kind of like starts mentoring this young man. And this is before he had me. And uh, he became part of like my dad's little crew. And they had wow. like two or three guys huh. and they started doing this. And this kid was just like the retriever. So um, anyways, he was really timid, really scared boy, but he loved hanging out with my dad. So I think because he saw things in my dad that he almost wished he could be one day or something like that. He's kind of paraphrasing that. So he gets up on this tower one day and, and my dad's about to go and he goes, you know what? 
I just want you to feel like what it would feel like just to be floating. And he goes, if you just put your feet in the, in the, in the stirrup thing, like up back and just put your hands here, I can hold it from the front of the kite and just let the wind blow it. And you can just kind of see what it would feel like, like just from like a few feet off the ground. I'll just hold it. The kites were, you know, once wind took them, they were pretty light. So he's like doing this. And the kid's like, Oh, that's so cool and stuff. He's like, yeah. He's like, I just, I would never be brave enough to do this. And my dad goes, I think you could do it. And the kid's like, no, I definitely can't. And he starts to try to get his feet out of the, out of the (laughs) back, out of the kite. And my dad's like, no, you can do this. And the kid's like, no way, like no chance, whatever. And my dad's like, look, you're almost going right now. Like the wind is just taking you. Like, it'll be a peaceful journey. Like, just go. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And the kid's like, no, I can't do it. My dad starts screaming, you could do it. And the kid's like, I can't do it. And it's like, you can do it. And he said he put one foot down and he tried to like shove the kite at my dad to like hit my dad because he was like getting really scared. And he said, my dad just stepped out of the way. Wow. Wow. And he, and he went. Oh, and, yeah. and he's trying to fly <laughs> and he's in this guy and he's flying and my dad's cheering the other guy that my dad's with is cheering and they're cheering for this young man and the guy said he was like pissing his pants he was so <laughs> terrified <laughs> so so but then when he finally got up there and saw how beautiful it was he said his life transformed in an instant like wow, that wow and he said he became addicted and he said he would have never found that hero of himself, that version of himself that was brave enough to do that if it wasn't for my dad. And then he shared what he does now. And he's an extreme wow. adventure guide. Wow. He, runs a, he, he runs a paragliding business and a downhill mountain biking business. And that's his business. That's amazing. Life. That's amazing. Just goes to show you, right? One little branch in your in your timeline, That's so to speak, an and awesome it changes story. your life. That's amazing, Dave. That's fantastic stuff. Well, Dave, yeah. we appreciate all this time you're giving us. So if you gotta go, you gotta go. But no, we, let's keep going. Oh, let's do I love this. It. We, we have a ton well, of questions. That's so, that's yeah. the thing. We would be remiss, yeah. Dave, having you on this Islander podcast and not talking <laughs> about your time playing for the Islanders. So I'll start with an easy one. What what is your fondest memory? What what do you remember most about your time in that era of New York Islander hockey? For me personally as a fan, that was that was the best Islander hockey I saw up until very recently. I I was born in the early 80s, so I missed the cups and you you got the tail end of the the rough part of the late 90s mm-hmm. and then you got your resurgence coming into the early 2000s. You were a big part of that. And uh, that was really the first special team for me uh, heading into my adult life. So I'd love to just hear your take on being part of that little resurgence in the early 2000s and, um, you know, maybe just how that, um, you know, affected you as a player in, in, your, in your career. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, the reputation around the league was not good for the Islanders when I got traded there. And that was the, right after the Spano thing. Vancouver was like a first class organization. Now all of a sudden I'm going down to the aisle and and the team's in bankruptcy. Milk nobody's there to pick me up at the airport as I mentioned oh, in no. the book. <laughs> uh, uh the team was in disarray. Nobody knew who was they didn't have enough staff. Uh we were flying on regular planes with little old grandmas and stuff. Like Zidane Char at one point, I think, was in the middle seat with like, you know, like <laughs> like like six foot nine months. You know, it's just ridiculous. And uh um but I, 
as a player, it was truly my most favorite time ever uh, playing in the island. Uh, I found my, I felt I, I felt I got a chance to play to show what I could do because we didn't really have a bunch of superstars. I thought that I got a fair shake. I love the fans and the passion. I'm proud of how we turned the ship around. I remember my first game. Uh, I came from a pretty prideful group, even though the Vancouver didn't win anything. We had a really good group of leaders there with Messier and everything. And um, we, we lost that first game. And I remember like guys were kind of like, whatever, like they didn't. And I was so pissed off and I, I went in and I fought and I wanted to send a message my first game and be like, listen, we're not just going to lay over and let teams just like beat us and like think it's like, you know, and I'm not saying Dave Scatchard had, some massive impact or anything like that. But I, I think, enough, I think enough guys kind of got, got the message from that fight. And I'm like, boys, like, let's go. Like, look, we don't have superstars, but we got a bunch of like good second and third line guys. And we can just like, we can battle teams. And we were hard to play against because we, we did have like a bunch of like second and third line guys. So like, you know, we didn't really get blown out. But they'd usually score an extra one on the power play the first year or two. And like it was kind of that was the difference all the time. And mm. um, finally, when they got things sorted out and Charles Wong took over and then he started making some moves and bringing in a few players and stuff, then we could kind of like we were on fair footing. And and um, man, that that year I had and I just talked to Jason Blake yesterday. We've, we've kind of reconnected uh, and he asked me for a copy of the book. And, nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, chief guy didn't want to buy his own. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that line I had with uh, Weimer and Blake, I remember s- some reporter brought it up to me the second half of that year that they said, like, you guys are the number one third line in the NHL. And I had 27 goals that year. I had two hat tricks in a month. Um, it was a really special, special uh, year for me personally. And... Um, you know, that, that year where we went to the playoffs against Toronto, that series was so vicious. Oh, my goodness. That was the craziest hockey I've ever played. And it was, like, dirty. Like, guys were trying to hurt each other. And uh, I remember Pekka's knee That's right. got blown yeah. out. And then, like, you know, uh, I can't remember if it was because of that that I fought Shane Course in the next year or something. It was a big deal in the media. I was getting death threats and all this kind of stuff. Jeez. But, um, yeah, that was, that was fun, man. We, we had such a good group of guys. Most of us were single. We were just concentrating on hockey. And then we had this fun rule <laughs> the first year because we were mathematically limited from playoffs by the time I got there almost in <laughs> December. Um, the guys would say, like, okay, I think it was Mary Strakowski. He'd be like, boys, like 30 minutes to the city, no traffic, you know, limousines waiting. We <laughs> we only go if we win, you boys. We got to win. We got to win. We go to the city, you know, you know nice. Everything will be good, you know? So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so that was, like, our motivation. And, like, even Milbury, like, kind of was in on it. And, like, he just knew. Like, he felt bad. The, the first time, the first, uh, you know, this is, I guess it's coming out now because I think I put it in the book, but – you know, I got traded there and he calls me in the office and he goes, listen, you were a really key part of this trade. I wasn't going to do the trade if I couldn't have got you. And he goes, I think you can play. And he goes, I think you can get a chance here. But he goes, we're out of, like, I can't make any deals. I can't make any trades. Like, like your year's kind of, your year's kind of like 
shot as far as like playoff chances goes. So he goes like, go to the city, enjoy the city. Uh. You got, you kind of got the green light for it, for it. And New York is like one of the greatest cities in the world. And he said, uh, like, as long as you play hard, I don't really care what you do. So that first, <laughs> the first few months are like, wow, this is kind of crazy. But, uh, <laughs> I liked how hard we played. We, we did play hard for sure. And then we kind of got, more professional i'd say the next few years we started to like dial it in a little bit more you know right on we are talking with islanders alumni dave scatcherd the author of the comeback my journey through heaven and hell and and dave you mentioned all these these great stories from your time on the island one that i really enjoyed was your telling of facing mark crawford again for the first time when the canucks (laughs) came to long island and um, you know, I've covered the team for about 10 years now, and I think I've only ever seen that gate between the two uh, two locker rooms closed once, and that was the 2011 brawl between the Islanders and Penguins. I had never known it was used before that, but sure enough, you had quite the interesting interaction with your former coach, which basically, <laughs> I guess, kind of precipitated that trade from Vancouver to Long Island, mm-hmm. maybe share that story, if you will, with us and, and how you recall that whole thing going down. Yeah. And I'll, I'll paraphrase like what, so I'm, I'm walking down the street on Robson street in Vancouver during the summer after my trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, Mike, who is it? It was Brian Burke's, uh, Dave Nonis, I think it was Dave Nonis, Dave, Brian Burke's assistant. Okay. Dave Nonis comes running out of a restaurant in Vancouver and grabs me off the street. And I'm like, Noni, what are you doing here? He goes, Burke, you and I are having like, uh, lunch. And I'm like, come on in. And I'm like, okay. So it's like summer. And they start chatting at me up. And Burke goes, hey, I love you. I did not want to trade you. Like Mark Crawford gave me a list of guys he didn't want on the team and you were one of them. And he was not going to give you a shot ever. Like he was trying to bury you. He didn't want you to, he just, whatever reason, didn't think you could play. And he goes, I kept telling him, give this kid a chance, give this kid a chance. He's like, Nope, I want him out. So that was kind of how I knew that Crow didn't like me, but like that never came out in the media or anything like that. And then the next year I was, I was, I got 20 goals that year. I, I played great. I made, Crow look bad by, you know, scoring 20 goals. And uh, I think it was the next year or whatever. It was pretty close after that. And, um, and I'm at the game and I just hear this like guy screaming from their bench. Like I, I got somebody for you. He's got his really high pitched voice. I got somebody (laughs) for you. Yeah. And he's just swearing like crazy. Like, am I allowed to swear on this podcast or no? No, 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 no. But he's calling me every name you F and you know, you know the like i can't do it without swearing but it, he's calling me every name and i'm just sitting there and i'm like who is yelling at me from the bench and like most of those guys are my buddies like right. i was a i was a good teammate my teammates love me so it's like i'm i know none of those are my guys so i turn around i look at the bench expecting it to be some guy they called up or something and it's Crawford standing like on the bench, screaming at the top of his lungs, saying he's got somebody for me that I'm a pussy that he's gonna kill me, like da 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 da. And I look at him and I'm like, "What are you doing talking?" I said, "You can send anybody out here that you want." I go, "I guarantee you that those guys would rather beat you up than beat me up." <laughs> so it goes on for the whole game, and I, I just ignore him. The whole game, he's just screaming at me and screaming at me and screaming at me. I'm like, what's this guy's deal? 
I don't know if he's trying to get the, t- I don't, I, I don't know. So I felt so amazing because they were at the end of a long road trip and it was like, I think it was two to two, something like that. And we ended up scoring uh, to win three to two. And I skated by their bench and I'm like, F you grow. Go back to Vancouver. Right. (laughs) So I go back, we're all high five and we win the game. All the boys are cheering and my whole team heard him screaming at me the whole game too. So they're like, can you believe pro is yelling Joe game? I'm like, no. So I'm hanging up all my gear, my stall, everything. And I got like half my gear off and Eric Karens comes running in. He goes, Oh my God, sketch. You got to see it. Crow's out there and he's calling you on to fight. And I'm like, please let's do this. So I go running out of the dressing room and like, it was, he was such, such an idiot. Like there's the screen. So he's obviously not going to get to me and he's putting his arms through the screen. Like he's going to somehow like come through the screen after me. And my whole team is like laughing at him. And then he starts spitting at me and wow. calling me every name in the book. Yeah. And this our our security guards were pushing Jeez. him away. I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even bother going any closer. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, <laughs> So this is this is what a this is what a this is what this guy's like. Okay. So the next morning, I get a call from Milbury, and he goes, "Hey, I got a call from Brian Burke, and he said that Mark Crawford said that you were trying to start a fight with him, like Amazing. the whole game <laughs> and all of this stuff." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me, That's Mike?" I go, you think I got, I got to worry about Mark Crawford. I don't care about the coach. I, it has nothing to do with the, so, but this is the, what kind of guy he was. So I call Brian Burke in Vancouver. Uh, he, I leave a message when I go, Berkey, call me. Cause he's mad at me. So he goes, what's the story about Crawford? Like, do you really call him on? I go, Brian, you know me. Would I do that? He goes, no, that's why I'm calling you. Like, what's the story? <laughs> and, and I go, your coach was screaming at me the whole game, calling me every name in the book. Then he tried to run around the thing and try to come into my dressing room and fight me after the game. And he's like, are you kidding me? I go, I swear, it's truth. Ask all your players. So he goes, all right, Dave, if that's the truth, and I'm, I believe you on this, he's like, you have permission to beat the crap out of him anytime you ever see him again and tell him that I said so. So that's kind of how cool Brian Burke is and what a – a-hole Mark Crawford is. <laughs> That's so an I, I, excellent yeah. story. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, um, with every one of our guests on the show here, uh, we throw out a random question. And uh, kind of a little bit off topic, whatever the case may be, maybe to get a laugh. But this is a layup for you. So a random question for you, Dave, is who was the funniest guy in the Islander locker room during your time there? And do you happen to have a story you can share maybe related to that guy if you have the time? I had so many good teammates, man. <laughs> uh, well, there's there's a lot. Um, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> the first guy that when, when you said funny to me, I mm-hmm. thought of uh, Sean Bates. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, and Batesy... He's kind of blind in one eye, so he's got like they call him like I think it's is it Sully from uh, Monsters Inc. The little green guy with one eye. Oh no, Mike oh. Wazowski. That's right. Okay, yeah, Sully and then, was the big guy. That's right. The big Sully guy. Was the big so guy. they called Eric Karen Sully, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then and then Batesy Mike Wazowski. Okay, so uh, Batesy had this Boston accent. It's like sketch playoffs. <laughs> you remember that college coach that said that? The oh, yeah. Yes. Line? yes. So Batesy would, Batesy would say that nonstop. And then he's like, 
he just had all the one-liners. Uh, he called everybody baby doll. And uh, <laughs> his boys from Boston would come in and drink out the whole wives' lounge of, like, all their wine and all their beer. And, like, he was just hilarious. Like, and that was how he grew up. Like, he didn't even know he was – well, he he's pretty funny, but, like, he just was being himself, and he was uh, hilarious. Adrian Acoin, great one-liners, great stories. Kevin Weeks, great accents and great impersonations. Nice. Um Oh my goodness, man. We had some funny, funny dudes. We had so many great memories with that team. Um, like I really miss that team. I'd love to do a reunion. I, I, I think it's incredible what the new owners are doing and bringing the guys back every year. It's, it's got to get in abs- there, Dave. You got to get in there. Oh, I've been there. I've been there every year. So, um, you know, I'll be back whenever they redo it after this stinking COVID thing. But, yeah. um, it has been, uh, just, a, a, a joy to watch how the level of class has been brought up with the organization and to see the the players that they have now, even the coaching staff, like Lane Lambert was part of my comeback after my year and a half off after my fourth concussion, I joined him in, in Milwaukee and he was just unbelievable. One of my favorite guys in the world. So if you see him, tell him I said that uh, Barry Trotz I had with in Nashville um, Trotz. He's a great guy. Uh, so I mean, I just like where they're headed and I like the potential and I think they're only a piece or two away from like just dominating like everything. Like they they should win. Um, They have a good enough team to do it and I think they just need another uh, piece or two. But I really, I really thought they could have done it last year. I, I, you and I think every Islander yeah, fan was yeah. was really was really hoping for that. And I have to ask you though, Dave. I mean, you've given up so much of your time, and we appreciate that. I will let you go after this this last question. But one of your former teammates, Zdeno Char, rejoining the Islanders this season. Um, you know what, what? When you heard the news, what did you think of that? A that that Z is still playing at forty four, and and B that he's going back to a place that he got to start in. Yeah. So, like. I could go way back in the day. I think he played for the Prince George Cougars or something, didn't he? Like in junior, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That I'd have to look up. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, <laughs> but I think that I've seen him play since then. Okay. Wow. And and the development that this guy has done in every asset of his, a- aspect of his life. Like, I think he got a financial degree while he was playing. Um, he's captain. He's always one of the fittest guys he took it super professionally some guys didn't like it because he was so serious all the time and everything but it's like that's that's a pro's pro like you know um and i think that he felt like he needed to do that to continue to get better and it's almost like uh you know when you start off behind and then Okay, here's an example. So I know this like hit producer guy in Nashville. He does all the biggest bands in the world. And I was talking to him, and I was going to help him with some coaching stuff. And he said, um, you know, Sketch, uh, I'm I'm terrified I'm not going to have another hit single. And I'm like, dude, you had like 20 <laughs> hit singles. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I don't want people to think it's a fluke. He goes, I don't think <laughs> He goes, I don't take vacations. He goes, I just, it's something broken in me where I just can't like stop. I have to get better. I have to get better. I have to keep going. And I, and to some extent, I think some of the greatest people in the world have this like little almost obsessive compulsive disorder in a good way. I think all 
real elite athletes do because to do things like over and over and over again, a normal person would just like kind of quit. They're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> but like athletes, like the best, they just keep going and going and going with blisters on their hands or their legs on fire from workouts or they're coughing up blood from runs. And it's like a normal human wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now, but the best in the world, it's almost like they have to do it till it's like automatic and that's how D, uh, Z ran his life. So this is a funny story. I don't know if we have time, but uh, more than when Z, crazy. When, when Z when Z first would um, come to the team, uh, he he didn't have the right sticks, and they weren't the right whip. They weren't the right length, and he didn't know where his <laughs> shot was going really. And if he was on this call, I should tell this story in front of him. <laughs> so he would wheel around the net and at the time we didn't have a lot of real skills so i think it was butch goring maybe was the coach and butch he's like all right boys this is the breakout you're gonna wheel the net and rip it off the glass and all the forwards are gonna be busting out to the red line and try to like gather it back and that way like the puck's never gonna be in our end like we're just gonna like do that all the time so it wasn't the most scientific breakout <laughs> but That's but incredible it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Z would wheel the net and he'd wind up and he'd take a slapper off the glass to get it out to center ice or whatever. And half the time would go over the glass and almost kill people because he had like a hard shot, right? So throughout the course of the year, everyone that sat in that section, when he started to wheel the net, the whole crowd would like go, Ooh, and everyone, That's hilarious. everyone would lean over because they were expecting a uh, souvenir night. We call it souvenir night on the team. We're like souvenir night. <laughs> He's giving out free pucks tonight. That's there so no, funny. And there was no penalty for the puck over the, over the glass. So he would do this over and over and over again. I can't believe he never killed anybody because he shot <laughs> so hard. But if you're standing in front, like looking for a deflection or a screen, when he wound up back then, you you would just pray that he didn't kill you yeah because uh, he he would shoot it so hard but he didn't have control like his sticks weren't right now to see him become a norris trophy winner uh is is incredible and i give the guy all the props in the world uh he's absolutely one of the most professional players i've ever played with even if he was playing at 50 years old he'd add something to that team a veteran presence uh he he's so strong that he spot some of the heavyweights in the league and just like kind of manhandled them and just like, you know, not really like out punched them, but he's like not worried about getting hurt or anything. And his dad was like some Olympic wrestler or something. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I respect the guy a lot and to be playing at 44, it's incredible feat um, to be as big as he is and to move around the ice. Like he does, like, it's incredible. <laughs> he would our dressing room was so small in Long Island when I first got traded there that he could take a stick and stretch it to the left and touch one of the walls and then <laughs> touch the other side of the wall. Oh <laughs> like that's God. how big that's how big his reach is. <laughs> so you're like, how do you beat this guy wide? Like Seriously. you know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, oh I, I got him. And then like the stick would come go go gadget stick would come out of like nowhere and just poke the buck away. What? So Dave, uh, this has been amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you for giving us all your time here tonight. But before we let you go, please tell everyone where they can pick up the comeback, my journey through heaven and hell. And uh, maybe you can tell everybody where they can go if they want to learn a little bit more about uh, your life coaching. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so right now, Amazon, we're, we're really working the bestseller thing. So we're going to try to stay at number one as long as we can. Yeah. Uh, hope, hopefully get a good long run there. And then... Um, 
after that, people could go to allstarcoaching.com and I'm literally just rebuilt the whole website. So that'll be, that should be live any day now, the next day or two. Um, and, uh, Instagram, I'll always be updating like what's going on with the business and with, uh, we've got our first live event actually. This is really cool. So, okay. If anybody <laughs> wants to come to Scottsdale for December 3rd, 4th and 5th, I'm putting on my first ever live event. We're expecting a thousand people. It's going to be epic. And, uh, you know, the tickets are normally $997 on the last couple of podcasts. I offered people, uh, that came in from the pod for like two ninety seven. And uh, I'm only going to offer that for a short amount of time. So probably a couple of weeks and then we'll, we'll bump back up to full price, but uh, I'll make sure that I get you guys a link for that. If people want to sign up for that. And okay, awesome. uh, like I got, it's going to be sick, man. I just, <laughs> some of the speakers I have coming are people that I trained under. Like, so they're kind of like help me rebuild my life and, and find this next level. And, um, and then I got some athletes, I got, uh, probably five hockey players that are going to be speaking. Wow, awesome. So if, if this is a podcast to share that part with, cause it's like, these guys are awesome. Their stories are amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if JR, uh, Ronick's going to speak on this one, but, um, like I'm going to ask him probably today or tomorrow, but he's been a huge part of my coaching. So he just fell in love with my group and he spoke a couple of times and a bunch of people went and watched his his uh, show online. And then he like, he's like, man, your people are amazing. And I'm like, well, you can come on anytime you want. So he's probably done like two or three virtual events with us and like been really, he had, he's a big proponent for mental health and things like that. So he shares some incredible stories about things that he went through. And um, he's just one of the best humans alive, man. I love this guy. Um, what's his, uh, no filter.net. He's got the show on no filter.net. So I'll give JR a little plug because there you go. he, he has been so positive. He wrote a great forward for me in my book. Uh, he's become a dear, dear friend. And like, I love this guy, like a brother. And, um, you know, if he's not doing anything, uh, he'll be in Scottsdale th that weekend. So, um, you know, he's just fun to be around and his stories are incredible. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, anytime you ever need anything, you let me know. Um, I love all Islander stuff and Islander people and Islander fans. It's my favorite time in pro sports. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there cheered for me or got out of your seat for me when I played, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, but I'm truly grateful. And, um, you know, I hope that you get the book. And uh, if you like it, leave a review. It always helps stay on number one bestseller. So, who would have thought that Davey Scatcher <laughs> would have a bestseller book? I looked down the list and there's like my book, then there's like Wade Gretzky's book, and then, <laughs> and then there was Mark Messier's book. And these guys are like my idols. Gretz is my coach. I'm like, holy smokes, we're doing it, man. It's crazy. Dave, well, uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Yes. Fantastic, fantastic interview with us. We really appreciate all your time. It was incredible. Uh, congratulations on the success of the book. We wish you nothing but much more. And uh, hey, maybe we'll have you on again down the road. We'd love to chat with you again. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Dave, Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Okay. Bye, guys. All Dave right. Scatcherd, the author, bestseller on Amazon, The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell, Islander alumni, life coach. The man does it all. And, and a phenomenal interview. I mean, we cannot have asked for better stories uh, than, than Dave gave us tonight. And he he, he was gave phenomenal. us gold, Christian. He, really he gave us gold on the line, brought to you by Thai Technology. Yes. But, I think Thai Technology got their money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they surely sure. did. They absolutely did. But yes, I mean, that was 
that was a lot of fun. Yes, and, and I think uh, we had more questions prepared that we, we did and we couldn't. We, we didn't even get to. Didn't even. Yeah, we went completely off script because yeah, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. Dave that was Scatcher awesome. Was and and you know his passion. You could you could tell people say you know they we love our time with this team and that team. Right. But you could tell he enjoyed his even even when you read the book. I mean, I've read and, and you know. We didn't, we didn't get paid to, you know, kind of <laughs> endorse the book or anything like that. I've read maybe three books in the last 10 years since I graduated college and high school, right? Like I'm in we, the same boat, We got Doc Emmerich's book that right. we, when we had him on, mm-hmm. um, Fish Sticks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, Peter uh, Body, Alan Hahn. Yep. And then mm-hmm. Dave Sketch's book that we got uh, in preparation for the scenery, which was a phenomenal read. I would recommend it to anybody who, who loves hockey, yeah, there's, there's who a, loves the Islanders, who just loves to read. There's a lot of great stuff in there. There's a reason why it's a bestseller on Amazon right now. So go check yes. it out, pick it up. And uh, yeah, it's just great to connect. You know, again, coming from the fan side of things, just being able to connect with, with an alum that... That was part of a significant part of Islander history, you know, and and you hope that going forward they're going to write some more, you know, I suppose successful stories. <laughs> but that again, I said it to Dave, but that was a huge part of my Islander fandom because you know, yes, I was around for the '93 run to right. the conference finals. I think I was, what was I, eleven, twelve years old during that time, which I was old enough to appreciate and enjoy, but. You know, that team was, that was my team for a long time. Sorry, my that, microphone is coming <laughs> off. The, that's, it's, it's fine. The uh, stand. But that 2001 <laughs> to 2004 team was like my team. Well, I think, too, you know? what, what makes Dave Scatcherd, and, and like I mentioned to him at the top, you know, Dave Scatcherd, Brad Isbister, Kenny Johnson, um, Eric Cairns, um, Sean Bates, those guys, su- there's such an affinity for those guys because of the the teams that they played on and then their hustle for the teams that they played on for for people who grew up in the early 2000s you know who, mm-hmm. whose best memories prior to this recent run right, right their their best memories were the the 2001 yeah. 2002 New York Islanders it was it was going and watching you know those guys kind of gritted out even though you were in there probably with four or five thousand people in the stands so you know that's well, what people you know appreciate what? no no but I'm talking about even before the oh, oh so yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. you look those bad teams I mean those guys were, were fan favorites and there's a reason why Kenny Johnson is an, is an Islanders Hall of Famer right um I mean he had a great career with the Islanders first of all but he's one of those guys that you know I think if it was a lot of, and I know I jokingly make this this comment on Twitter all the time especially during the playoffs mm-hmm. Sean Bates is Bister. those guys should be have some sort of recognition for the contributions that they made well to the Long Islanders Island haven't the Islanders. let anybody forget about Sean Bates because no 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 but, but I, exactly but I mean even even that like that deserves its its own recognition in its own right because of the significance it had on the franchise and the people that grew up watching those players it play. does and I'll, I guess I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here but that's the thing I mean the Islander fans and rightfully so I'm not taking anything away from the moment or or you know whatever you know memories that Islander fans tied to it, but I mean, but that's the truth is like back during those times, especially after the '90s, like that penalty shot goal was the biggest moment for this franchise for a long time. Yeah, they, like there wasn't a moment like that, and then that lasted for a long time. Yeah, they made the playoffs a couple of times. You know, they uh, had played to, Ottawa a couple of times, played Toronto, I think one more time in the postseason. No, no, that was that was it was it was Toronto, Ottawa, and Tampa. No, they played Ottawa twice. 
Oh, later on. You're yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, there was the Buffalo series with, with oh, Ted seven. Nolan as yeah, coach. Was, but there was no, no but moment. That was such a forgettable series. The only moment after the Sean Bates penalty shot was the Wade Dubowitz poke check to get them into the playoffs. Right. And that, that wasn't even the play. Yeah, that was that, but that was 2006-7. Yeah, that was the Buffalo series. Yes, 2007, which, right. Which so, is why it was so, almost so memorable. The most memorable moment from that from that time. That, right, and that, to get back, season. it's like like the, the Sean Bates penalty shot yeah. is revered. An eye on this country. It has been. Mm-hmm. And all it was was a penalty shot right. in what? Game five or six? Like, game you know, four. game four, whatever the case may be, of a, of a first round series against the Maple Leafs. But, yeah. but it really was probably, I will say to this day still for me, the, the best Islanders playoff series I've ever seen. And just, just the way both teams are going at each other's throats. And it must have been amazing for a guy like Scatcher to be a part of that. And and the truth, and I'll still say this: if they had gotten past the Leafs, that team could have done some special things. I'm not saying they, they necessarily would have won the cup or anything, but but I feel like that that series really, you know, kind of laid the foundation for that conference. I know I think t- uh, Toronto got bounced out. What was it by Carolina after that, or whatever the case may be? They played Ottawa, whatever it was. But but the Islanders could have went far after that series. But but yeah, I mean, it was just a penalty shot. But that's that's something that's been played, you know before games just to rile the fans up for, for how long after it happened, you know? It's always been a part of Islanders lore, and all it was was a first-round penalty shot, but that's all we had as fans to cling on to back then, you know? I was trying to look this up when when, when it was when we had Scatcherd on, if, and, and the reason why I was mentioning just the significance of some of those players, if you remember back the game they clinched the, the playoffs against the Washington Capitals in, in 02, the Islanders yeah. had the three stars of the game were not Michael Pekka or any of like the star players that they had. It was Kenny Johnson. It was Sean. It was um, Steve Webb, and I'm trying to figure out who the other one was. I, I, I thought it might have been Dave Scatchard actually, mm. but it was three guys that had been on the Islanders for a long time and, and went through right. a lot of lean years. Yeah, um, and it was their kind of thank you to. It was a Claude Lapointe. I think I it bet, might have been. Yeah, it was called the point. There you go. I couldn't remember if it, if it was Scatchard or it was one of those guys that yeah. had been on the Islanders and suffered through a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but the, but that's the point I was getting at. Those guys are so revered now still right. because of the contribution and kind of the effort and hard work and grittiness they had on teams that really didn't have a lot to to be memorable about. Right, um, and I think that's why there's such a significance and yeah. such a, um, you know, a soft spot in a lot of people's hearts for for that team and a lot of those players on those teams because of of everything they went through and then yeah, um, kind of the the positives that happened later on once you hit two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. No, it was a very significant yeah. era for that team, and and a lot of things had to come together for it to happen. It was all that draft weekend where they got a coin. Pekka and Yashin, all within a span of like 24 to 72 hours. And then Detroit gifted the Mozgut on the waiver wire. Right, Garth Snow was supposed to be the starter that year. <laughs> he was signed to start. And then Detroit put Osgood on waivers, and Milbury was like, thank you very much. Yep. And he took Osgood, and and then all of a sudden they had a squad. Yes. You know, I mean, that defense, you had Hammerlick, Coin, and Janssen were a great top three, you know, for any defense back then. And now looking forward, you know, what are we, 21, 22 years since then almost? 20. Yeah, I mean... 19, 20 years, yeah. The Islanders now are in a much better position than they were then, and, and, and there's 19, certainly a lot years. of... <laughs> it took 19, 20 years, and a couple of those pieces that were... Or one of those Half pieces my that life. was on, on those teams is now back with those teams, and the Islanders certainly have a lot of... A lot of uh, a lot of expectations now on themselves. They are no yeah. longer the the downtrodden underdog. No, this is a franchise that's been. They have 
well-earned yeah. expectations now. It's a different ball game. It's a different story. And all that took was getting the right ownership in here, bringing in the right president general manager, and hiring the best coach in the National Hockey League. And now they have a team that is is considered we've talked about this last week a little bit how they're kind of a model team yeah obviously not so much as far as success goes yet i mean yes two semifinals well, I mean, are great you look at a lot of the new york teams they're <laughs> that's they're true in new york the lightning years. they're doing very well uh, by comparison in yes. new york uh, they, but the islanders by the way which were at the new york jet game today that's right they played saw the some saw some images Patriots. they uh yeah they, they repaid, repaid the, the favor <laughs> repaid the favor from all that support well i was i retweeted i tweeted that comment out i didn't I see know, i didn't see it. sure you didn't you i didn't the same words that i put in my tweet i would have used something else <laughs> <laughs> but they were there repaying the favor although the jets got blown out by the new england patriots uh, yeah but uh it, it's it was nice to see kind of the again the cross town support you know between the jets yeah, it's cool. the playoffs it's cool. during you know their, their big game against the New England Patriots, although there's a couple Islanders that were wearing New England Patriots jerseys. There's a shot. Um, oh, really? I didn't see that. Of Michael Dow Cole, and he has a Jets jersey on or Jets shirt on, and there appears to be, I don't know if it's actually, but it appears to be a New England Patriots jersey on under the under oh, the Jets jersey, which is someone pointed out on social okay. media. I, All right. I got a he kick out of that. Sticking with his true alliance. Yes. Well, a couple, I think underneath. a couple of them from that area or support you know teams from that area, so it makes sure. sense. Sure. Yeah. I get it. Makes sense, but at least they're supporting <laughs> also the there, Jets. The New Jersey Devils. I saw that. Yeah. The, the Subinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, that's cool. I mean, you know, you know, cross town, cross cross sport participation. Support, sure. Yeah. yeah, why not? So covered a lot of early two thousand Islanders yeah. tonight, <laughs> which was great. Sketch was great and yeah. certainly didn't expect to have him for that long, but you know, he seemed like he was having a good time. Yeah, so, I hope so we rolled with it. Yeah. We rolled with it. It was a, it was a lot of fun. A little trip down memory lane. Great to see him doing so well. Yeah. And that his journey has landed him in a much better place. Yeah. And uh looks like uh things are going great for him. Yes, but with the New York Islanders now, yes, we got to get back. Very close to tra- to to a lot of different things and that kind of leads us to What's on tap this week? Yes. And that is, of course, brought to you by our other friends at RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. And, Sean, I think you have more about RJ Daniels. now, it's time for What's on Tap, brought to you by RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for What's on Tap, (laughs) brought to you by RJ Daniels American Bar. Bar and grill. And so I guess... This is what happens when I forget how we actually segue into the new segments. It's fine. You did a great job with Dave, so we'll we'll forgive you for this. By the way, Dave was right. Char, and I did look this up. A couple of people added this in the, in the chat as well. Mm-hmm. Char did play juniors at uh, uh, Prince George. Okay. So Dave captured 100% on point with everything he talked about. The man about knows what he's talking about. So we kind of sort of, I guess, lied to you guys a little bit last week about on what's on tap. <laughs> and we, we well, made no, we didn't lie. What we we thought, assumed. Yeah, we made what we thought was not so much a bold assumption that the Islanders would be having rookie camp this past week. Right. So we have training camp. We have, but no, we did say rookie camp slash training camp. Yeah, so I guess. We didn't uh, lie. We, we just kind of... Fibbed. We kind of fibbed. <laughs> we kind of fibbed a bit. But yeah, I mean, every year teams have their, their rookie camps. And for whatever reason... I guess the Islanders didn't do it, but training camp that's is okay. on tap. Uh, <laughs> it lot. is now. It is now on <laughs> tap. Right. We can confirm that. Hit the ice on October twenty third. So that's no Thursday. September twenty third, Christian. Because if they do it, then they'll already be mid season. That's <laughs> yeah, a problem. Maybe you want to hit training camp a little later. Yeah, enjoy, yeah, the, enjoy no. the nice weather. September twenty third, ladies and gentlemen. Training camp is coming. 
And we kind of said this earlier now that Char has been signed. Like, there's really no intrigue, I don't well, think. Well, I think there's... So I disagree with that. Not a lot of intrigue. But please, prove me wrong. I think there... Hold on. I would like Do you to, know what you're doing? Adjusting my mic so it didn't make noise. I'm going to edit that out. No, I was moving my mic. You don't All have right. to edit it out. All but right. when you move... The, but if you, when you move... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mel. We let you down. We're sorry. <laughs> God, God. I was adjusting my microphone, but when you adjust the microphone, it makes noises. I was trying to avoid the noise for the prost- for the yeah, we got austerity it. of the of the yeah. program. And All right, the, the professionalism that we exude oh, yeah. on a weekly basis. Yes, yes we do. <laughs> um, no, I, what I think when I say I think there's still intrigue, I think mm-hmm. there is still intrigue because of the fact that there's still some lines that. We'll need to be figured. I think we're obviously assuming that Kyle Palmieri is going to be a first liner. First liner. There's a chance that Oliver Wallstrom could end up there. I'm, again, I'm, I know I'm playing devil's advocate. I think in my heart of heart, when we talk about this subject and we look at it, things objectively. Everything and, you said so far is true. Right. I would just say maybe it's, I don't know, not as exciting intrigue as maybe is this guy going to make the team over that guy? Like, is this exciting rookie going to be right, a part of the team? Right, but I think that's, it's more just, that's the evolution of... When your team is is in a good place, you know that's right. Um, it's it's not as, as sexy, I guess, as, as you're saying, but there is intrigue. You know who's gonna who ends up on that top line with with Lee and, and Mar- Matthew Barzell. Who it, you know is it is it Wallstrom that's on the third line with Pajot? And what we're assuming is Zach Parisi. We don't know that that Zach Parisi is gonna Does be there either. Zajano Chara automatically end up paired up with Scott Mayfield? Right? Did how, they switch something? Up how there? does how does the Dano Chara look in camp at forty four? After I mean, he, again, he played well last season. That's not to say he didn't, but at, you know, he, he's what is this? His twenty third, twenty fourth NHL season at this point. That's you many. know, um, it's that's many seasons. <laughs> um, you know, what impact or what what does he have left in the tank? Yeah. Does Eric Gustafson have anything left to contribute? That's intriguing. Um, I'll give you that. You know, there are these little details that are there that mm-hmm. will make a difference, and we're talking about how. There was some concern that the Islanders didn't do enough to, to, to kind of bolster their blue line. Well, in training camp, we're going to get an idea. Did they do enough to bolster the blue line? Is is the Dano Char and Eric Gustafson enough to make this a better team or make this a comparable team to when you had Nick Letty on the blue line? So, and also the the idea of all right, is this Sebastian Ajo's chance to finally get a real <laughs> shot at playing? for Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorell under this Islanders administration. So there are questions there, okay. and there are there right. are little intricacies, but it's no, it's not as sexy as right. is this, That's is this rookie going to come out and, and kind of explode onto the scene. But let me ask you this, NYI Hockey Now. You're yeah. going to go to training camp. You're going to be covering it. Right. You're going to see what's going on there. What is what is the biggest question for you? What's the storyline you're looking line, for? I think the blue line is the biggest okay. storyline to me because, okay. I, 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 you know, I think at the end of the day – you have an idea of how the certain lines are going to shake out, and I think that's how it's going to play out. <laughs> I saw someone put Yager on a PTO. In yeah, the- <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's let's bring the average age up another six years. That's why not. I mean, <laughs> the guy's the guy's just living his best life. So you know, who wouldn't want to be Yarmir Yager? Yeah, he has a. <laughs> I mean, jeez, another guy who's ageless, the Yarmir Yager. Yes, but, but 
to, to digress back to the Islanders, I, I think the biggest question, my biggest storyline is is what is happening with the blue line and, and how does it hold up or how does it compare, especially with now yeah, having sure. with the average age of the blue line going up somewhat significantly yeah. um, because it is a very, you know, you look at Pellick and Pulak, obviously younger defensemen. Scott Mayfield still somewhat of a younger defenseman. Yeah, yeah. Veteran players at this point almost, right. but yeah. um, Mayfield probably of the three is the, is the most veteran of, of the three. Um Perhaps, perhaps. No, I think it is. Okay. Mayfield's, what, he became a regular in 2015, 2016? I think he got his first real, real, real taste in the playoffs, right? 2015, yeah. Him and Donovan. Yeah, Matt Donovan. Uh, yes, that was, I think that was that. Pride of Oklahoma City. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, he, yeah, you might be right about that. But I don't know if he's the oldest of that group. Like, I was actually surprised to see the Pellex already 27. Because yeah. when I was looking at his contract, and I was like, oh, wow, 27 already. But, but still, I think he has the most career. NHL experience of the three between gotcha. Pulak and Mayfield. Okay. Mayfield, I think, has the most experience. Mm-hmm. But then you have three more veteran, or, and Noah Dobson, too. Noah Dobson's in the mix. I forgot about him in, in that conversation. But then the average age of defensive core goes up with, with Andy Green and, and Zidane Ochar. And how do you deploy them? Um, because those are two older players, and they obviously have a role, and you, you can understand where they play. But, again... Maybe you have a little bit more of, of security with Zidane Ochara, surprisingly, knowing that he still can play big minutes. Last year, you know, on a, on a very good Washington Capitals team. Sure. Um, and, he, and he still <clears throat> contributed in a big way. Can Andy Green eat up some, you know, eat up as many minutes as he did last year? Where What is his status coming into the season? Because he's right? also getting up there as well. So, yeah. obviously, you have, you know, your, your solid guys in Pelic, Pulak, and Mayfield. Mm-hmm. But where is Noah Dobson bumped up to the second pairing? Is he still a third-pairing defenseman with Andy Green? Do you put right. Zidane Char there with Scott Mayfield? That certainly is a slower pairing between Mayfield I, and Zidane Char, and that could create problems. How I, do you deploy <laughs> these guys? How do you deploy these guys in the most strategic manner that makes your team comparable or better to when you had Nick Letty back there. I think Scott Mayfield ends up becoming a victim of having an elder statesman next to him next this coming season in that his minutes will go down, I think, because, or at least by comparison, because he's either going to be paired with Andy Green or Zidane O'Jara, which, again, foot speed-wise, is is not going to help him. He had Devon Taves and Nick Letty. The last few years. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys. Those were puck carrying defensemen, yep. offensive defensemen, younger guys, guys with foot speed. And now you're talking about Mayfield, who's not so much known for that. Right. And that's the problem. Playing too, with, putting, with a 38 plus yeah, player. Right. So I th- unless again, unless Gustafson surprises us and maybe takes some more time than we thought, and he challenges for a spot here or there somewhere. I, I yeah, not my I, expectation. I so, not my expectation. Yeah. Not yeah. my expectation. Just saying. Unless we're, that's why I literally said surprise. Right. But then, again, but, see, there's still there's still these questions, but, and they're kind of sexy. They're kind of sexy questions. You're reaching for sexiness <laughs> here, but we'll go with it. I'm often reaching for sexiness. <laughs> that might have been your all time greatest <laughs> quote in the history of my 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 experience with you, Christian Arnold. So congratulations <laughs> on <you>. that. <laughs> That was that was good stuff, buddy. You might, you know what? Maybe just wrap the show here and <laughs> call it a win. Well, we still have to do a hero. No, we, we got can, lots to lots can, to do. Contractually, out working. Yes, out. we can't leave until we we do the hero and whatnot. Donnie but, might make us play mini golf again. He might. He might. So mini golf. So 
Yeah, I think Mayfield is going to end up, quote-unquote, being a third-pairing guy this yeah. coming season just because he's, I don't want to say saddled to insult the guys, but he's going he he's he's, to be paired up with right. an older guy unless, who's, again, who's they, not going to make up for his lack of speed. Unless they put Dobson up there and they put him on, put him on his offhand. I don't think they're going to do that. No, no, I know that, but... Because if they do that, then you got Andy Green I, with the Dano Chara on you. Then you can't have that. The AARP pairing. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I think you're going to see Dobson and his his partner as the second pair. Yeah. Whether that's Green or Chara. Now, my first thought would be Chara, even though really, yeah, I, even though you're not you're not the first person to say that to me either. So, but I'm curious to hear your logic behind that. I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's the worst idea. I mean, he worked very well with Andy Green, and, and I mean, Zdeno Char is as veteran a presence as you get. And for someone who's still kind of learning and growing right. in his game, it's not a bad guy to have on your as your D partner. Yeah, Christian, uh, look, I think it could go either way. Am I going to be, you know, floored if, if it ends up being Green again? Absolutely not. I mean, look, Trotz likes seeing guys that are comfortable together, yeah. guys who have history together. And he might just say, look, I like these guys, and I'm going to keep them together. Yeah. And that's fine. But... I think that I think that Barry's going to want to get Chara more minutes than Green, assuming Chara hasn't lost another step, aging another year. Because look, once you get into these late thirties, you know, early to mid forties, where he's in his mid forties now, yeah. and you know, how old are you again, Sean? The, we're not talking about me right now, but the but the decline. How dare you talk about someone like that when you are <laughs> insert forty something year old age here? I am not forty anything yet. I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. But anyway. Once you get into that 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 grouping of that age group, the the, the, the decline tends to tends to get steeper quicker, you know. So yeah. so is Zdeno Chara going to be as good as he was last year? We hope so, maybe close. I, I but yeah. I think I think yeah. if if he is and he's still capable of those eighteen or so minutes, yeah. then I think he ends up getting paired up with Dobson, interesting, in a second pairing role, and Andy Green and Mayfield maybe end up being that third pairing. But it's funny the more I think about this. With Chara and or Green with Mayfield, I do kind of make that face mm, a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not ideal. It's not a great pairing. Not and not to say neither defensemen are good, but it, right. as far as the the yin and the yang kind of formula that the Islanders have had in the past with who they pair with Mayfield, who's traditionally more of a you know s- s- slower skater, so to speak, more of a defensive defenseman, yeah. if you will. Yeah, bigger um, body. Yeah. yeah. And and usually on that line is and the pairing as you, as you mentioned it was, it was Devontae's who was more of an offensive guy he he could I could he, skate I could skate so could had speed yes. Letty had could skate had speed and now you kind of put it in put him in, in an interesting position and I, I'm curious to see too how does Scott Mayfield respond to all that how does his game change right. if anything with the idea of now your partner being someone whose skill set is entirely different than someone you've basically the skill set you've been used to working with for the past mm-hmm. couple of years, right? three, four years, two, three years. And, and and unfortunately for Mayfield, this is the third time he's going to have to adjust to a yeah. new partner, whoever it, that is. But it wasn't, see, the Even thing, if it's, whether it's Chara or Green. Right, but I, I don't think, it's not as big of an adjustment going from Devontae's to Nick Letty or, or anything in that ju- in juncture because they're similar players. The style is similar. The Letty-Mayfield pairing took some time to, to take off. If well, like I think Nick Letty, Medi- Nick, Letty, Mayfield. Nick Letty struggled too a bit and, you know, yeah. during the regular season as sure. well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not putting that on Mayfield. I'm just, I'm no, just no, no, saying. No, no, but that's yeah. what I'm saying that contributed as well. There's, sure. there's always an adjustment period with anything. Right. I mean, right. you, you, not everyone can be hockey night in New York when you just switch with a new co-host and the show just takes off. <laughs> wow. Wow. Tony Stabile is going to have some words for you. Words. 
Listen, the, That's show, messed up. the show would have taken off if it was me and Tony. Oh. Wow. I'm really insulting you. Or just really talking yourself up. Not too. But that's not, that's not I mean, surprising. That's not surprising. Right. Is anyone surprised by that? Nobody's surprised, nobody that. surprised by that. Right. So to get back on the rails, Christian. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, no, this is, there's no Tony versus Christian rivalry. It's, it's, I'm with Tony 100%. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. See, you're starting trouble in the chat. I'm not starting trouble in the See, chat. See, that's all it took. I mean, that, uh, we got to get past it. We got we to talk Islanders. We got to get past it. Tony's, Tony's great. We miss him. Christian's here now. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly Walker would have my vote. Sure, she's welcome. <laughs> she's welcome to come on too, whatever the case may be. So, Christian, to the defense, it's what I was going to say. Yes. Was that, <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say <laughs> is that maybe this is, this is a, a bit of a change for Barry Trotz and that maybe he starts to lean a little more heavily on the top end of his pairing. I think you're going to have to at this and point, too. Maybe you see more of a dispersal, uh, more of a variance in minutes between the top pairing on down to the third. And you see more of a disparity as opposed to them being a little more close together and even in their ice time. Maybe you really see Pelican Pullock getting leaned on here. And, yeah. and you know, maybe there's a little less time on the ice for, for the other four guys. Or, I mean, you know, maybe Dobson still gets out there a little right. more and, and they yep. ro- rotate the other guys a little differently. It's going to be interesting. And, and I guess Lane Lambert's going to have a lot to say about that. Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's a great point, too. And, 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 again, something else to watch in camp. How do you prepare, you know, Pelican Pulak, who obviously were already playing big minutes and kind of have the biggest role in the Islanders' blue line? How do you prepare them and how, how do they respond to this sort of change in, in tone and shift in responsibility for themselves. It, right. uh, there's uh, Again, there are a lot of good questions and a lot of interesting storylines that are <laughs> going into camp. I think that just because, they're, they're, again, there aren't the sexiest of storylines going in okay. um, doesn't we, mean that there aren't interesting, compelling ones to we, watch for. We dug a little deeper, and it turns out there's a little more on tap than we thought. That was What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. I really do have to show you Bar Rescue after the show because, I mean, literally, if you did not hire the guy that does, does their voiceover work, you got his, like, brother or something. Maybe I did. Maybe we did. That's still a mystery. We don't know who that was. We have no idea who that was. Could have been anyone. Could have been anyone. <laughs> Could have been anyone. So, folks, yes, that was What's on Tap. Presented by R.J. Daniels. And while there may or may not have been a rookie camp, we are fairly confident there will be training camp. So, <laughs> Maybe. So then again, we're going to put our confidence in that. Like the Islander signings, they may not be announced. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So we're, we're over 90 minutes, folks, and we, we still got some more stuff to cover. So especially you guys that are live with us in the chat, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday night with us. Uh, that is awesome. And that's all thanks to Dave Scatchard for giving us such a, such a great spot. So... There were some Bridgeport signings. You want to rattle off some names there? Did you happen to bring those up? Did you do your job, or or is that something you're going to have to search for? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I not book Dave Scatcherd? Prepare a great interview with so him. So sensitive. Like you Pre- could have just pre- rolled prepare with it. the Instead, last you two full weeks personally. of the show. But yes, no, I did happen to have this already <laughs> with Otto Koivula allegedly signing, and by allegedly I mean he did sign. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Cole Bardreau, uh Paul Ledoux. Dimitro Timoshov, mm-hmm. Andy Andrioff. Andri- Got it? Yeah. Okay. It's just the Timoshov thing. I was still in like the Russian Sure, mode. sure, sure, sure. Uh, and of course, 
Zdeno Chara, but that but we did know. Yes, that, that was official. Other than him, the rest of those guys are going to help fill out the Bridgeport, Bridgeport Sound Tigers roster. Bridgeport Islanders. I would say that's right. The Islanders. That's right. Bridgeport Islanders. So I got to get used to that. Yeah. I got to get used. To, you know what? I didn't pick up on it either, and then I thought about it for a second. Yeah, it kicked in a little late. It kicked in. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, the Bridgeport Islanders. Did we ever even talk about that rebrand? I think we did. Did I mean, we? Uh, it's it's so long now. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> my almost 40-year-old brain. Uh, yeah, I don't remember if we touched on that. I think we talked about it off the air. We're being told no. Oh, there you go. All right, so let's talk about it real quick. The Bridgeport Islanders changed their name to the Bridgeport <laughs> this Islanders. This is not song. news. No. This happened months ago. Uh, Correct. We were on hiatus. I was just going to get an opinion on maybe the logo, I think the changing lo- the name. We were, so we so talked about it off the air, yes. Well, I was going to say, we... We were able to hang out with Donnie Bagels. Donnie on Bagels. Friday, yes. Hit some golf balls, played a little mini golf. <laughs> uh, phenomenal time. We also hit the driving range, though. I said to hit some golf balls. <laughs> yes. I did. assume that was. Well, me. you can hit some golf balls, golf balls on the mini golf course, too. But we, yeah, but we, but we hit yeah. regular golf balls on the regular <laughs> on the driving range. <laughs> we're working on the short game and the long game, folks. Yeah. Um, you guys were preparing for, for some, some big golf game you guys are playing on, and I play golf every once in a blue moon. That so, was obvious. Um, I'm pretty sure my swing was better than both you and Donnie, so maybe you should shut you, your face. You would say that. Shut your face. You would say that. Okay, go on. And we had we were talking about this though. We were talking. We, we were. Brought, we we were, were talking about the the rebrand and the logo. And <laughs> I had mentioned that you. I had mentioned that I think the logo and the and the New Jerseys are going to have the same kind of effect that the. The, uh, the, the reverse retro, reverse retro jersey mm-hmm. the Islanders had, and that was that everyone was up in arms and said, "Oh, this isn't cool. I don't like this." And then everyone sees them and they're like, "Oh, this is actually pretty sweet." I saw the logo at first just on the internet and the interwebs, I, yeah, that place, and I was like, "Eh, all right, you know." And then you notice like the little homages and touches yeah. to like the the Islanders. I logo. think it's gonna look cool. And but then it's I cool. saw a picture of the the crest on the Islander jersey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that don't look half Bridgeport bad. Bridgeport Islander jersey. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, that this actually. It's going to get confusing. Well, it's the same jersey. And no, no, same, no. But, but, but the we're same, talking about teams. Bridgeport Islanders. Right. York but Islanders. it's the same actual like threads and, and yeah, striping yeah. and everything. So I saw it on the jersey and I thought it looked pretty good. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how Bridgeport fans feel about it. So, cause I guess that's who it affects the most, right? Like if you're, if you're a season ticket holder to the, Bridgeport team and you know I guess it affects you the most right like did yeah, you like the Sound Bridgeport, Tigers yeah. more or I don't know but I mean the biggest thing was whether or not Storm was going to stay around and and we can confirm he has stayed around thank goodness Stormy is not going anywhere no, it's just Storm not oh Stormy. it's not well I like calling him Stormy you know him and Sparky I was going to say they only, only the pals call him Stormy <laughs> see st- st- me and Stormy go way back <laughs> so he, he lets me call him Stormy I don't know him at all. Sure, he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the Bridgeport Islanders filled out their <laughs> roster. Uh, yes. More. Yeah. And then they and then they'll obviously their season gets underway in October as well as the Islanders. But they will actually play some home games in October. Yes, that's right. And I guess it's safe to say that Michael Dalcall will be part. I know we talked. Michael about Dalcall last was at the he Jet was at the game. Jets game. So and so is Corey Schneider. Yeah. So I guess he's coming back too, or he just likes hanging out with the boys. And who else was there, which makes sense, but we still don't know what's, I guess, somewhat intriguing is where this man is. Leo Komarov was part of that group, too. Oh, I didn't even see Uncle Leo. Leo was there. Johnston was there. (laughs) J.G. Pajot, I'm pretty sure his spot is solid. 
But yeah, Johnston, Dalcol, these are guys we talked about last week with Arthur Staple. Yep. Wondering where they fit into the mix. Probably, you know, extra forwards, Bridgeport yeah. bound, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I mean, again, you feel for some of these Kiefer guys. Kiefer Bellows is there. Kiefer That's Bellos correct. Is right. Yes. Um, you know, you kind of feel for some of those guys, considering especially like a Michael Dalcol who kind of had like a pretty good year last year when he would get in the lineup and then. Um, obviously, you know, found his way back out of the lineup considering the the sometimes abundance well, of forwards. Well, he's going to have a hard time finding a spot this yes. season too. Yes, well, maybe a little tougher now because, you know, maybe you said who's going to play left wing on that third line? Could it be Leo? Could it be Del Col? Could it be whomever? Right now, we kind of know it's probably going to be Zach Parise. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's where I and that's why I started with the not a lot of intrigue because we know we know the twenty three guys. Well, sorry, we know the. 18, 20 guys that are going to be part of the regular no, no, the I, Two goalies, the six defensemen, and the 12 forwards. We know who the starters are going to be. There's not going to be any surprise there. It's the, the real question is who's forward number 13 right. and who's forward number 14, right. and perhaps who's defenseman number seven and or maybe eight, right? Is that going to be Gustafson? Right. Hickey. No, I agree. Aho. I agree. And then Johnston, Leo, Kadalkal, Galashev, right? We yeah. brought him. Panic. Thomas Panic. No, I did this last week, didn't I? I almost thought you did that as a joke this time. No. <laughs> you should have just rolled with it. Yes, Richard Panic. So, yes, those are the Vanek. questions. Yeah, Thomas Panic. He's he's no longer. I almost said with us like last week. Who did I say that about? <laughs> I think it was I think it was the same. Thing. <laughs> yes, that's right. No, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still he's still on the planet Earth. When I say with us, I mean Long Island. On the team. Yeah, on I the know team. What you meant. Part of the franchise. So there <laughs> there you go. That's that's everything you got about camp. We talked about the Jets game. Uh, we talked about the Bridgeport signings. Honestly, the uh, one place Leo Komarov, Michael Del Cole, or or Richard Pat—I was about to say Thomas Panic again—could uh, look for a job. The New York Jets—they need a quarterback. Honestly, oh, that bad, huh? They again, put, he, Zach Wilson threw four inter- five, four interceptions today. That's that's a lot. That's yeah, more than you want. The, <laughs> it's more than you want. One is more than you want. Yeah, four yeah. is <laughs> excessive. Excessive. Yeah. Well. Good thing I'm not a Jets fan. Boop. So with that, I think that's a great segue to go into our Hero of the Week. Yeah. Why don't we take a little break? Yes, please. Okay, we'll take We've a been talking for like an hour straight. <laughs> we'll refresh. Yes, maybe you can comb the chat, see if you can get any questions. No. Please. We're, we're going to talk to Arnt. They've been with us this whole time. We've gone well over our typical 60 to 75 minutes. Yes. So the least we can do is answer some audience questions. So again, folks... Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite places. We're going to take that break. Yes. We will be right right back. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels, along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying... Yes, yes, yes.
should have hit that uh, mute button, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Half price hero. So, folks, the Mr. Ledecky with turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, mustard on fresh rye bread mm. is your Blue Line Deli and Bagels half price hero. Get it half price all week starting tomorrow. That is Monday through next Sunday where we'll announce a brand new half off hero. Stop in and mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the Mr. The Senor Ledecky. This music goes on me. Sorry? The music just grows on me. It's epic, right? I mean, it sounds heroic. It does. It sounds like a sandwich is going to come out with a cape on and save your life. Right? That's what, that's what I picture every time. You know, it'd be great. I really wish we could just get some blue line sandwiches before the show. Donnie's been slacking, man. He really has. You know, like I don't know. I'm not. Could, blaming, I'm not blaming Donnie. We could make the effort to go. We could make the effort to go down to Huntington. And get I guess a, that's a true. Sandwich. Or if you know he really wanted to, he could deliver it to us personally, and then he could sit down on the show with us. He can help us announce the hero. I mean, I think that would be great. The man, Bring some Sammies. The man. The man lives at that deli. Let him have a couple no, it's a true. couple hours to himself to enjoy it. I Sunday. guess that's fair. I guess I'm asking a lot. That's true. Lot. That's true. All right, I, I take it back. So I'm pretty sure he was also in the chat tonight as well. He was. Yeah. He was. He probably went to bed. He's got a big day yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, he gets up early. He gets up uh, about the time I go to bed. So <laughs> he's got he's got to work. The, he's got to work at Blue Line. So speaking of Blue Line, let's let's talk about our heroes of the week. Yes, we're here at Blue Line. So Christian. Do you remember yours? I do. It is none other than Islanders alumni, David Yeah, Skatcher. look at that hat. Look at that pose. I mean, <laughs> he, I mean, he's the hero of the week for, I think he spent almost an hour with us. It was close. It was it, really, I don't think it was an hour, but it was close. It was like it Doc, took a little time it was to get him on. Doc Emmerich level yeah. time. Remember, yeah. I mean, we had Doc on for a while, too. 40 minutes, 45 that was, minutes. That was a great time. Doc Emmerich. Yeah. I think I think Dave Scatcher won almost the same amount of time with, with he, he was having a good time. Um, we have fun here in Hockey yeah. Night New York, you know. That's why we're the best. <laughs> what can we say? We get top notch right. guests and uh, we have fun. We have fun doing it. Um, <laughs> but did. no, Dave Dave's the hero of the week not only for writing what what is a phenomenal book. Again, I'm not getting paid to endorse it, but uh, it was a great <laughs> read. There's a lot of great stories. If you're if you're an Islander fan, there's a story in there for you. If you're a hockey fan. Um, there's stories in there for you. If you're someone who who has a real great appreciation for life and for kind of that that higher purpose, there's stories in there for you. If you're going through your own struggles, yeah, you know, and you need something to relate to, need something inspiring, it's for you too. And he gave us almost 40, 40 something minutes of his time tonight on the podcast. I so. think that's a great pick. Hero of the week, Dave Scatcherd. Dave Scatcherd. Well, there, there is a, a tie-in with the with the individual that I've chosen for the hero of the week, and and it was kind of perfect. It's great that we had Dave Scatcherd on, uh, in 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 part for that this very reason. Is but it Mark Crawford? Yes, <laughs> it's Mark. Can I change mine? Yeah. <laughs> it is none other than Big Z, formerly number three. Wonder what number he's going to wear with the Isles, but thirty uh, three. Maybe yeah. Is that what he wore with Boston? He did right. Yeah. Yeah. So probably thirty three, but. Yeah, formerly number three when he was on the island. But there he is, Big Z. Zdeno Chara is my hero of the week for coming full circle with the New York Islanders, looking at the Islander franchise and saying, this is a team I think I can win a cup with. This is a team I want to be a part of. He had a lot of great things to say about the team and the franchise on his press call that you were on. 
talking about Lula Amarillo, Barry Trotz, the team itself, how successful they've been lately, and the respect that he has for the Islanders organization and everything that they've done in these last few years. And, you know, we keep talking about it, but it's it's something worth noting is just where this franchise is now, not only in the New York sports sports sphere, <laughs> but also just on the NHL map and 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 how players and, and, and people around the hockey world are looking at this team now. It's It really is a... A whole new world, if you will. So credit to Zdeno Chara for recognizing that, being a part of it, and uh, I'm looking forward. As, as much as I still have concerns about where this defense may go this season, uh, I'm a fan of the signing. Uh, it's great to see him back in, in orange and blue, and, and great stuff with the with the old jerseys, bringing yeah. them out. And, and I said it on Twitter. You, unfortunately, you can't see it in the picture that we posted here on the show, but there's an A on that blue jersey behind him, and I don't even remember him wearing an A. Those Back are, then. I believe, those are his jerseys from when he was with. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. So there was Andrew S. Andrew Gross, who, a frequent guest on the friend of yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened. Guest of the yeah. podcast. Yes, yes. Um, he did. He did ask uh, Z about that because he did. It, it was a topic of conversation. So, but it'll it'll be a. It's again certainly that nostalgia tour continues with the Islanders as well as the that almost Godfather esque moment of, of Lou Lamorell handling all family business. This summer of correcting some wrongs that for a long time, uh, Islander fans obviously felt were were not handled correctly by Mike, Michael J. Milbury. Yeah, and I was going to ask Scatchard about Mr. Milbury, but Again, he, we he did already not, gave yeah. us some stories. We didn't really have to, you know, and, and that was that was all good. And then I was like, you know what, I'll ask him about Laviolette as a rookie coach, but... He had so much other great stuff yeah. that you know you couldn't even fit it in there. But it was a great interview, and it's it's just so funny that you, what it's September nineteenth, twenty twenty one, and we're looking at a screen here, and Zdeno Chara and Dave Scatchard somehow end up being our heroes of the week, and for completely different reasons. But they happen to be teammates way back in the day on the island, so it's it's kind of funny how that stuff works out. But there you have it, folks. Your heroes of the week. We'll see how next week goes after camp starts. Maybe somebody will intrigue us right. on the ice during training camp. And uh, the show rolls on with the Hero of the Week. Big thanks to Donnie and Blue Line Deli and Bagels, as always, for sponsoring us and for sponsoring the spot. So, folks, don't forget, get yourselves in to Blue Line Deli and Bagels for the Mr. Ledecky for half off starting tomorrow until next week. And I said until next Sunday. But it may we may actually swap uh, swap the date out because they're playing the Rangers on they Sunday. They play the Rangers next week, which so, also probably should have been on what's on tap for the uh... what's on tap. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> I won't do that to you. <laughs> but, but yes, the Rangers on I mean that, Sunday. I mean, if I think we're thinking be, the reason why is we might be doing the show Friday, yeah. and so we saved it. So the Ranger game may not be on tap. It might be on tap Friday. Yeah, we're still figuring out whether we're going to do Friday, I think, or Monday. I think we're leaning Friday. Probably Friday. But we'll, we'll work that out. We'll figure it out. Stay tuned. Yeah. Follow us on social media, and we'll let you know. But, folks, there you go. The Mr. Ledecky starting tomorrow, half price at hero. Blue Line, Deli and Bagels. Go ahead. The, the what? Half price hero of the week. Nice job. All right. So. All right. I found questions. <laughs> You're so excited. Yeah, let's go. Come on. But this, this we've just been on the show for so long. I don't, Buddy, I don't wanna... we're going to wrap within the next eight minutes. It's 9.52. We're going to close this out at 10 o'clock. So right. give us some questions and we're out. B-Lars said hello from Salt Lake City. What's up, bud? Hope you're having fun out there, man. We miss you. We miss you, man. You did a great job with the Isles meetups out here. I'm sure you're going to do a bang-up job out there. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight. What do you got? B-Lars asked, do you worry about the age speed of now the defense now? Zidane's minutes were limited. 
Well, we covered that. We did talk about that. Yes, we did. Okay, great. You didn't. You didn't. Obviously, didn't. Uh, you know, clear that question. Uh, no, no. I, I I'm, I'm going Filter. through all the. No, no. I'm going through all the questions that were asked because you <laughs> said for me to look for. All the right, question. so we may go past ten o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. And this is me being petty, picking every question. That's what you do. Serious or not? Uh, do you think Char stays <laughs> with Seidenberg for old times' sake? Mellarmenia twenty two asks. Is that a serious question? That's <laughs> in the chat. It's a question. I, yeah, you know what? I guess you'll need a place to stay because home is still Boston. He was saying that in his uh, his press conference. So, I mean, why not? Matt Barzell seemed to like it. So, you know, maybe he's still buddies with sides. Maybe he'll stay with him. Maybe Charles will get his own place. We don't know. Interesting question. <laughs> Intriguing question. <laughs> we don't know. All right. I'll <laughs> we get, have no idea. I'll get a little more serious now. I apologize. Yeah. Um, and Drummy13 asks, are they planning on Sal or Bulldog getting eased in? I think the short answer to that is yes. Well, I, well, yes. Generally speaking, yeah. yes, that will eventually happen. The question is when. Well, I mean, again, again I think... Look, that's going to that's gonna be on injuries. If there is an injury, maybe they come I a little bit closer to that. I, but don't, I still don't think there, there's no. so much time now. Even with injury, I, agree. I think the first line... I agree. First, first no, pun, no pun intended, but I think the first line of defense would probably be Hickey, Aho, I agree. Gustafson, if he's, if he's I agree. a 6 seven. There would have to be a lot of yeah. injuries for those guys to get a taste right now. Uh, but yes, obviously that's something they're going to look to do. But I think the, the main idea right now is for them to get as much ice time as they can in Bridgeport. Uh, hopefully get more of a full season, more of a normal season right. after the weirdness of last year. I mean, you can talk about how weird the NHL season was last season, but it was even weirder with uh, with the AHL playing, what, only like three teams, right? And they had yeah, like well, the Sound Tigers only played three Right, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. So they played... Because the other, I think the other three or four teams, or however many teams are in their division, opted not to play. Right, so, so they play this weird, this weird schedule. They, they just need to get as much ice time as they can down there, and, and eventually... You know, assuming that their their development continues on track, that they'll eventually get ease in and get a crack. But I think that's going to take some time. I don't I don't think you're going to hear their names up with the New York Islanders much this season, uh, unless again there's just a, a lot of injuries that they they have to kind of start you know just pulling whoever they can from from down there. So I think they're going to be safely tucked down there in in, in Bridgeport, and uh, we'll see those guys a little later on. No, I I, I agree with you. I think. Though, again, the short answer to that question, the to the question is yes, they'll be eased in, but I don't think it'll be eased in as quickly as people want it to be. I guess, so to speak, because you know Samuel Bulldog and um, you know those guys have been kind of mentioned a lot during this offseason with the departure of Nick Letty, and and if there was any thought or, or opportunity for them to get in here, I just don't think, considering the history of Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz, they're not going to rush guys into, especially Lou Lemerell. He's not. They're not going to rush guys into the lineup when they feel that, if they don't feel they're hundred percent ready. At this they point. like their players to marinate down in in whatever. I don't even know if it's marinating, but like they they like to get them their time. Yeah, well, that's part of the marinating process, getting their time before they're ready for prime time. Yes, marination. Marination. What do you got? Um, Come on, man. Mel Armenia 22 asked, my question is, do you think journalists will be able to access the locker room you this, this season? I believe that's going to be the case. I think that's the, the current plan. Um, okay. I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of guidelines and everything, but that was also announced, I think, that journalists would be allowed back into the locker room. I think you need vaccination or... Um, and we'll probably be wearing masks and stuff. It, it, it'll be a nice change from the last year and a half of, of covering of covering the of covering hockey in general, mm-hmm. sports in general, because 
you know, I know people don't necessarily care about whether journalists have access to the players or how much access to the players that, that they do or don't have. But what comes with that, and, you know, not to get on a soapbox or, or get too preachy, but what comes with that is better coverage, better understanding of what's going on with the team, you know, better stories, better, uh, you know, you, you, things that you, you, those interpersonal relationships that you develop with the players, you can't do that when you're doing a, a phone, you know, a Zoom call every day or talking mm-hmm. to a guy every once every, you know, there's something to be said about having that conversation, having that, that interaction with someone where you get stuff that isn't going to be the same. Because if you look at a lot of the stories, and yes, I think the pandemic forced a lot of people to get a little more creative in how they cover certain things and how sure. they cover teams. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I think a lot of places also were forced to write the same thing because we were all in the same general press conference right. of, all right. right, you know, Nick Letty's speaking today, you know, Anders right. Lee speaking to, you know, this day, and these are the only players that be, are being made available. And I think the... And it's with everybody at the same time. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think, look, the, the Islanders PR staff, the NHL PR staff, they did a tremendous job in mm-hmm. navigating a very tough and, and kind of challenging situation for everybody and trying to accommodate the press and, and you know, our, our, any requests that we had as much as they could. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough, and it certainly changed changed the way the coverage was, and I think not necessarily it, it you know it lost some things that fans have come to expect and enjoy when when they when they look at people who are covering professional sports teams. Um, you know, with that access. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even just you know when you used to be able to get into the locker room, they would make X amount of guys available, and you might have. You know, four or five people scrumming around, you know, a couple of players, and then you have one that's kind of off to the side. You get to go over there and maybe get more of an exclusive story with that player because he's kind of away from everybody else, and, and you get to write up, you know, something different from everybody else because you're the only one getting the quotes from that guy. Now everybody's getting the same quotes, like right. you said, because you're in on the same Zoom call and all that. Yeah. So I mean, I think that'll be a good thing, and uh, it'll be nice to again get back to some some sense of normalcy. This wasn't asked. Um, I saw it mentioned a couple times. We, we didn't talk about the national uh, national TV schedule. Islanders oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, between TNT, Hulu, ESPN Plus, and the you know actual broadcast ESPN, the Islanders are, will be featured nationally 12 times. 12 times, which is more than we're used to. Four now, on TNT alone. Yeah. Now, is that a product of the Islanders getting more clout in the league because of how successful they've been recently? And or is it a product of the fact that you have, what, three networks involved there? Technically, ESPN, or maybe more, ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, Hulu, TNT. There's just more places for them to be. Well, so not, maybe every, not just, every team got it. I don't, the Florida Panthers, outside of the ESPN+, Plus, Hulu exclusive games, I don't think they have a single te- game on national, really? on the national See, televised on-air broadcast. Interesting. See, I didn't look to kind of compare them to other teams to see how their numbers stacked up against right. others. So then maybe that is a credit to the Islanders and, and, well, and how they've been performing. To, yeah. to the credit, to some of those press releases that were sent out about the schedule, the Islanders Lightning Games, I think they're nationally televised once each. Um, one on TNT, mm-hmm. which, will, which will actually be taking place at UBS Arena, and one, at, uh, one on ESPN, Hulu plus, uh, ESPN plus Hulu, which will be, again, that's exclusively streaming. Um, but both of those press releases that were sent out... We're entering a whole new world here. Each of the, When those press releases were sent out, the Islanders-Tampa Tampa Bay game was one of the highlights in the press release, which doesn't happen often when it comes to any sort of Islanders nationally televised... Well, depending uh, on who you talk to, that was the Stanley Cup final this year. 
<laughs> that aside, that aside, it was still it was a tremendous matchup between two, yes. two of the one of two of the best teams in the For NHL. Sure. So I think I think the league is starting to recognize that. I think it's also a product of a more diverse base of teams that are being featured now mm-hmm. nationally. I, I think, think that's a great. Lot more and it is great, and I think that's a great sign. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people were not thrilled about ESPN's inclusion or the inclusion of TNT back into Turner sports into the, into mm-hmm. the hockey fold. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is a, is a great boon for the, for the NHL. Yeah, you had a lot sport. of positive things to say about I know, it. I know. Yeah. And I think this kind of reiterates that, um, you know, I think there's always going to be people that are complain going to complain, especially about the yeah. Hulu yeah. streaming yeah, exclusive games. Different. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is the first, this is the first fold. I mean, you're going to see, I think the NHL is the first team, first league to really do that. I think you're not going to see you're not you're, it's not going to be too long before you see the NBA really start to do that NFL Major League Baseball whoever pays the league the most money and that's whichever league it is whether it's the NHL NFL for broadcasting rights that's right. who's going to get it right <laughs> so if it's streaming you can stream us no problem that's yeah. the way the world's going anyway you know but that's my point you're yeah. seeing the shift in where people yeah. are watching these things watching right. these games so. right. Now I saw I saw I'm sorry, let me find your your name there. There we go. Andremi thirteen. I saw you mention this more than once, so I wanted to get it in. What happens to Bellows? He wants to know what happens to Bellows. And I guess that's in relation to this year. Where does he figure in and whatnot? And he needs waivers to go back to Bridgeport, as Andremi mentions mm-hmm. in the chat. Mm-hmm. He would not like to lose him for nothing, and who would? Well, that's gonna be part of the intrigue of training yes. camp. <laughs> We're gonna see if he can be, uh, but I, I, yeah. that thirteenth or fourteenth forward because yeah. I don't think he cracks the top twelve. No, uh, I don't think so either. I mean, because look, he can even put four or five goals up in the preseason and and look good in training camp. That doesn't even necessarily mean that Barry's gonna be like, well, Oliver, sorry. We're going right. to have to send right. you down to Bridgeport because Kiefer's having a great camp. It's not <laughs> always that simple. And and Arthur talked about this last week about Wallstrom being the only guy really out of that large bunch that can go down to Bridgeport yeah. without needing waivers. Now, I'm sure that sent a shiver down a lot of people's spines when they heard it, but I, I, I don't think that means Wallstrom's going anywhere at the start of the season. It would, it would very much surprise me if Barry Trotz and Lou sat down together and said – we can, not to say that they can't get by without him, but, I mean, I don't think they're going to want to start the season without Walsham. I think he it will solidly be in the top line of this team. So what happens to Kiefer Bellows? There's nowhere for him to go. Unless he outperforms a guy like Parise. Right. You know, that could happen because of the age. You never know. Or maybe he becomes one of those extra forwards to spell an older Parise every now and then. Now, that's something right. I could sign up for. Every now and then, you you know, getting back to that ease-in question, not on the defensive side, but maybe with Bellows, maybe that's the way you keep him around and you avoid waivers and he gets another shot at the NHL squad. He taxis with them a little bit and maybe when Parise needs a little bit of a break, maybe you only play Parise 60 games, who knows? But maybe that's where Bellows gets a shot. And look, there's going to be injuries. There's yeah. always going to be injuries. You're not going to have all 18 skaters healthy throughout the year. So... Look, I would rather not give up on Bellows. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's been pretty inconsistent. He's been up and down. He's had a little bit of controversy behind the scenes as well. But it seems like they're not giving up on him yet. But he's got a lot of guys. He's got a leapfrog to get a spot 
on that on that starting twenty three roster after training camp is over. He's he's got to get over panic and Galashev and MDC and Johnston. Do they still want Johnston's muscle up there? Right. You know, that's an interesting question, too. Do they still want Leo's utility value up there? I mean, and his locker room presence, which people roll their eyes at. Is that something <laughs> they still want? You know, and look, you can save a couple of bucks if Kiefer's one of those guys that stays up and a guy like yeah. Leo or Panic goes down. Then you shave a little more more dollars off the cap if, if Leo can't, uh, sorry, Lou can't dump these guys off anywhere else. So... I hope that they find a, a spot in the in the um, the fo- you know the extra forward rotation for the Islanders, but he's got to earn it. And so far, it's been a little up and down for that guy. No, I think I think that's spot on analysis of what's been going on with him. Just because, as you said, there's just no there's there's too many bodies in front of him to really be able to crack that that lineup right now. Right. And I I don't, I don't even even if that even let's say he has a better camp somehow. Uh, you know, above uh, a Zach Parisi or something like that. I don't even know if he's still making it at that point. I just don't think that you bring in certain guys like that for them to to ride the bench or not. Right. Or have, and have and, and Jeremy thirteen is saying Bellows is still not signed. Be that as it may, I I think that it if it hasn't been officially announced, I think the indication is that he's going to be. I think he's going to be back. I, think I don't mean so to cut too. you off. No, but, no, I think so yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he's at. The, I think. Yeah, he's not players, at that. Yeah. I don't think he's at that event at the Jet game. If if he's because that's like a team function, yeah, right? Pretty much. Like that's something that probably Isles PR kind of gets involved in and sets up. I would imagine, but I'm right. not. I'm not privy to how the sure. But but if we're if we're making those assumptions, and and you know we did make an assumption about rookie camp, but let's <laughs> <laughs> let's say this assumption is accurate. I think I think it's safe to say that Kiefer Bellows probably has some kind of contract, whether you know whether it's been announced. What that not. contract looks like, is, yeah, is the right, right, so, right. But right. no, a hundred percent, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. What about panic at the disco? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's again this like I, I again, think forgot. I keep forgetting he's actually part of the team. Yeah, well, and you can make an argument for a lot of these guys, right? Panic. He hasn't obviously. He's he's been around in the NHL. Yeah. And he's a guy who who I think can can look interesting next to JG Paggio. I'm not saying he's going to set the world on fire, but he's a guy I wouldn't mind being on the ice every now and then for the Islanders. He's certainly I think he still has it. I don't think he's a guy who who you know necessarily would throughout the league would be relegated to an extra forward role. So you know you can make an argument for Panic. I think yeah. you can make an argument for Johnston because of that policeman role that he pretty much you know fills and. And, you know, Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo will always make an argument for Leo Komarov. Right. You have an unknown in Galashev, but the intrigue with him, you know, what he might bring over from Russia. He's a guy who you could say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah. I get why you might keep him up there. I don't know if there's anybody who you're just like, yeah. That, well, see, Dal Call, I could see going down to Bridgeport. I could see him, you know, being one of those you know, casualties of the of the top squad saying, all right, look, we're going to pass this guy through waivers and see what happens. Right, right, if he right. gets scooped up, I don't really... Th- look, nothing against MDC, but I don't think... That's something mean, aren't you? The Islanders lose too much sleep if he gets mm-hmm. plucked by another team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the hope there is... I would, I would assume that whatever contract he signed with the Islanders is two-way, if that hasn't been mentioned already. I would assume it's two way, and he'll probably get a different salary if and if he does go down to Bridgeport and he clears waivers and all that. I, that's that's where I think he's going. I don't think he makes that cut for the top fourteen forwards. But you know, I could be wrong. I, I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll certainly see, Sean. I think yeah. I, I think at this point, 
training camps in a couple of days. We'll start to see how things shake out from there. It's uh, there are again. I go back to my point of there are questions and, and intriguing storylines to follow going into <laughs> camp. I really, for some reason, took that comment to heart. You really did, but you you made your point. Some of them were good. Most of them were awful. But can we can we wrap up? Are we good? I think I think good. we addressed all the questions. I think we did. And this was this was an epic, epic yeah. edition of Hockey Night in New York, going over two hours. Did not see that coming. Did not but see that coming. We're happy that you guys hung with us here live. And yes, we, we are. We really Thank hope you. you guys enjoyed it. And you always make it fun. Love seeing the comments in the chat. Mel, you've been on fire for the past two shows, so keep it coming. Always bringing a laugh uh, during the show, so that's great stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to hit this button right here, and we're going to start closing this thing out. So, folks, want to start by sending out a huge thanks to Dave Scatcherd, Islander alum and author of the brand-new book, The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell, an Amazon bestseller. Remember, you can get it on Amazon wherever books are sold. Yep. Pick that up. Great stuff. A huge thanks to you for tuning in here to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and all your favorite podcast providers. And, of course, a huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with RJ Daniels, American Bar and Grill, located at 279A, Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game. And remember, you don't just have to go for the aisles. They have live music, comedy nights, trivia, a late-night bar scene. They have it all. A huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around, soon to be featured at the UBS Arena. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections, because I had to look somewhere. And their hockey-themed heroes... And a huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at ThaiTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. That's right, folks. Three free months of service. Thank you so much, folks. If you enjoy the show, please rate, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends. Spread the word. If they don't follow us on Twitch yet, tell them to follow us there. If you want to follow Christian on the Twitter, at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have yourselves a great rest of your Sunday night. We will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> now we're really leaving. Goodbye. Yeah, we're out. We're out. Thanks, guys. <laughs>